0: Oh, what a week for the Gamecocks on the hardwood. Greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks. The show presented by Chicken Cock Whiskey, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and it's Friday, so we'll be drinking Chicken Cock this evening as we set off our weekend. Mike probably won't. He's got a game tomorrow to call in Columbia at Colonial Life Arena. We'll get to that here in just a little bit. Don't rule it out,
1: Jamie. Don't rule out a little Chicken Cock. uh, (laughs) Throat's hurting.
0: Heads hurting. That's a little bourbon,
1: a little honey, a little tea, a little hotty-totty action with the chicken cock. I, I, I'm not ruling that out.
0: That, I, I, that actually might, uh, that might do the trick to get him through a couple of hours of hoops tomorrow as he's already been on the air throughout the week. We're built by the BarndoCo, the BarndominiumCo.com in the Carolinas in Georgia and in Tennessee, and you can build that dream home on whatever piece of land you've got for as low as $160 per square foot. They are making folks happy day by day and expanding month by month. It's been incredible to watch their growth, and it's also always incredible to see what they're doing at Signorama in West Columbia, the longtime preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics. And as you make your way through the doors tomorrow at Colonial Life Arena where, once again, it is pretty close to a sellout, you will see the fine work that Matt Vaughn and his team do for the Gamecocks as you see it at Williams-Brice Stadium and soon Founders Park. Will also be joined in 15 minutes by the great voice of Stuart Scott or Stuart Scott. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Stuart Lake. That'd be I was going to pull off. Well, so you, got a, you got a combo there. You got to, you know, uh, we had Derek Scott on earlier this week. We got Stuart Lake coming on today. So it might as well be Stuart Scott on our show. Now, Stuart Lake uh, will be joining us to talk Gamecock baseball. They're on the field today as they begin scrimmaging in preparation for the 2024 Carolina baseball season as a Try to make their way back to Omaha last year, as we all know. It ended in the Supers down in Gainesville. And then coming up at uh, 105 today, the voice of the women and the star of the show last night, Brad Muller. He'll be here uh, to fill us in on what he experienced down in Baton Rouge. It was a tremendous atmosphere. And late in the ball game is when the stars began to align and Dawn Staley and her ladies got out of there alive And undefeated still. The only team left in women's college basketball uh, to to be undefeated. LSU gave it a run, but uh, just could not get it done. Mike is in a little early today. He is in Columbia in preparation for tomorrow's Missouri-Carolina basketball game. We're going to talk a lot about that. Got the NFL playoffs this weekend. We'll get into that. JC's got some notes up on the big spur about the search for the replacement to Pete Limbo. So we'll certainly dabble in some Gamecock football. But um, Mad Dog, Schubert and morgan it, it's ladies first today guys what a, what an atmosphere last night uh, down on the bayou and what a performance to pull it out of there uh late in the ball game
2: i'll say this when kim Mulkey got the job a couple of my lsu buddies i've worked with sent a text talking smack i was like <laughs> why do you care you're really good at everything i mean <laughs> you know you'll take women i mean you know and i think they've been to a final four before she got there but that was just that was a really big hire you know, because she's a native son, a Louisiana girl. Uh, obviously, you know she looks like she's going to Mardi Gras all the time. Um, and then they come out with an I, I, I've watched Mike. You've been in the arena, so I, I will defer to you on this. I've watched a lot of LSU basketball since the Dale Brown era happen in that building. At least, at, at, at least on TV or on video, I have never heard that building that loud. I, I've, I mean, I, I don't. You know. And I'm sure there's a men's game sometime. Now, the football stadium, yeah. Alex Box Stadium, absolutely. But for basketball, I've never heard that arena that loud until last night.
1: Yeah, it's in all candor, it's not one of the loudest in the league uh, by far. And I, I was there, I've been there twice now for games this year. In fact, I was at one practice. And, you know, it's your typical crowd of the players, the coaches, our producer, our director, my analyst, and Kim Mulkey walks into the room. And my goodness, you would have thought the second coming was uh, was there. I mean, she has carved out mm-hmm. a major niche in a short amount of time. And so what you heard coming through your TV set, uh, JC, is is definitely a... Uh, an excitement that hasn't been there, and I'm pretty sure, like you said, they've been to a Final Four going back to the Simone Augustus days. I remember seeing her. I did a couple of those games when she was playing. That she was a baller. I mean, she just she played a man's game, um, well before players were doing that. And I think she might still be in the WNBA. I don't know. I I defer to JB for all my WNBA factoids. <laughs> um, but but no, it, it 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 was the crowd was definitely into it, and you know. It, it, when I when I watched, and, and by the way, I'm, I was in Columbia last night. I got in a day early, mm. and that was certainly the buzz around here was uh, the women's game. It was on every restaurant uh, I went to, uh, drinking hole I went to. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, it certainly it's it. You have a Thursday night window. There's nothing else going on. ESPN when they want to blow out a game now, they will blow it out. They will promote the living hell out of it. Uh, and I don't know what the number is, but I'm sure it got good ratings. But what I, when I watched that game, here's what it reminds me of with Don and Kim. I grew up as a kid, and yes, I always watched SEC everything. I was an SEC fan. My brother went to Auburn. I'd, I grew up knee-high to a grasshopper, all SEC. But Big East basketball was where it was at. And part of the reason why Big East basketball was so big was the coaching personalities even, I mean, your fans knew the, the, the key players, but they knew John Thompson. They knew Raleigh Massimino. They, they knew Carlissimo. Uh, every coach was an icon. Beheim. And that, that Beheim, I mean, and that drew eyeballs to the games. And that's why those were so highly rated. That's what this rivalry with Dawn and Kim does. We know they don't truly like each other, even though they say the right things. We know it's a very polarizing. Like you don't have just LSU and Carolina fans watching last night. That's why it's going to draw a big number because a lot of people hate Dawn and a lot of people hate Kim. For being honest, a lot of yeah. people just they they, they decided a long time ago. I love this coach. I hate this coach. I think that's healthy. Like I, if if you want women's basketball to grow, you need stuff like that. You need more. Uh, everybody hates. Let's be honest. The coach up there in stores, Connecticut. Uh, he's the greatest of all time, but but people decided a while ago they they hate Ariama.
2: Yeah, I don't um, like him. I think he's a toad.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of people feel that way. But when you when you hate somebody, when you have a visceral reaction to a coach or a team you're watching, because you want them to lose. So it just reminded me of the old days, where like part of the appeal was the coaching personalities and Don. And Kim are not short on personality, and so that is a, I I would call it a healthy hatred rivalry that eyeball uh, people that are not even fans of the two schools actually had an interest in last night.
0: I, that is a that's a that's a really phenomenal observation and, and unique perspective on the I, I think it gives a lot of insight and and let's all be honest too like this is it it's it's the beginning of a rivalry like this just started, you know, it's not like I I was listening to, to the ladies on TV last night who did do a one, as you just pointed out, Mike, you know, when ESPN wants to promote something, they'll do it and they'll do it as well as anybody out there. And they did it last night. um, And they're talking about this rivalry and this, that, and the other. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, well, Kim, okay. What makes it a rivalry is you just said that the personalities of the coaches, uh, and then also LSU won the national championship last year, but South Carolina is the premier program in college basketball and LSU is trying to get there. Very similar to when Don got to South Carolina, took a few years to get things going. Tennessee and in, uh, in the sec was still the, the gold standard, but the gold standard in basketball was UConn, right? So mm-hmm. now South Carolina and UConn, they, they began to play each other and they, and they started, you know, kind of building a rivalry, same, which you just described is the same thing there the, the difference that, that I would say, and this is going to come off a little bit arrogant, I don't mean it to be that way, but 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 it is true, LSU hasn't beaten South Carolina. They've lost 15 straight to them. So it's hard right. to have an actual, like, quote-unquote, real true rivalry if you're not beating each other. And and the game continue to do that, but and, and LSU any, does have yeah. a title. So. I'll, I'll say that. I'll, that's I'll just say, what I, go ahead, Jesse. No, I was going to say,
2: one, one thing that helped the quote-unquote rivalry aspect of it was I think the Gamecock kind of go, going down last year to Iowa. Uh, and then LSU in her second year winning a national championship. Are you kidding me? See, it took Dawn a long time because Dawn didn't have the transfer portal. Right. Dawn couldn't go and get Angel Reese from Maryland. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, Dawn had to kind of build it through high school and struggle for three or four or five years. Um,
0: well, and look at the Mulkey, transfer portal, too, yeah. how it's yeah. worked for Dawn as well. Oh, you she's know? killing
2: it. She'd have killed yeah. it. But, um, yeah. you know, so – and then your, your your SEC every every school in the SEC is your rival, so to speak. Uh, your SEC rival doesn't wins it all. There's a lot of smack talking. I mean, uh, the other thing about women's basketball that's good, and, and I agree with Mike 100%. That's a great take. Is that there's some villains now. Angel Reese is kind of a villain. Uh,
3: mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that hate
2: Caitlin Clark at Iowa. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot. It's, it's but that's it's a because it was I
0: mean, more interesting. That's because what Mike said. This sport, hats off. Look, this is Debbie said this uh, yesterday, and 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 we've talked about this a couple of times this week. Like Don Staley has been instr. Chad Holbrook said this yesterday too. Remember Coach Holbrook talking about this? Don Staley has been instrumental in the growth of the women's game across the country. Period. And that is one of the reasons why you have you didn't used to have villains. Like how many people really did you hate Pat Summit? Like how could you hate Pat Summit? You know what uh, I mean? Like. I hated like,
2: bits of
0: it. Well, I mean, you're
2: a different bird. Till I read, not, I ran into her at a bar one time down in, a, in a, during SEC meetings at Destin, <laughs> See, and, and I liked her after that. I think at and the I, time I
0: just didn't like Tennessee at all. I did not like anything Tennessee because they won every year. Yeah. But well, like what, yeah, like LSU and South LSU and South Carolina's never been a rivalry in women's basketball. Both of them used to suck. You know what I mean? Like nobody cared. This wasn't a rivalry. Uh, there, What was the rivalry in women's basketball in the SEC before South Carolina came along? Tennessee and who? Was maybe there one? G- Georgia was good every now and then.
1: Georgia um, with Andy Landers.
2: LSU Andy Landers. Yeah. was up and down. Um, Here and there? I
1: mean,
0: I remember, remember a few Miss, years ago?
2: Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, everybody else is up and
0: down. Like, this is why I'm like, I'm a little like, strange about stretching this word rivalry because it was just a few years ago that Mississippi State and South Carolina was a big, quote, rivalry. How big is that rivalry now? It's yeah. not because Mississippi isn't good anymore. So, the, to Mike's point, the personalities from a coaching standpoint and now, of course, the success with LSU winning a national championship have, have created this term rivalry.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. It's, it's not a historical rivalry. It's a rivalry now, but it's not a historical
1: No, rivalry. but the, the game really – you don't have the benefit um, – of the men's game, of where you're you're sitting there and you're watching like a 19-year-old number one draft pick that's just a, a, a friggin' sensation. I, I would dare say many of the people that tuned in, again, not Gamecock fans, not LSU fans, couldn't name two players on the floor, but they were still intrigued. And so that's where the coaching personalities come in into play, that you, you really need that to help elevate uh, the sport. And, you know, you're right. I mean, Pat Summit when she was running wild, I mean, they were, look, if, if we're going to be 100% honest about it, uh, Pat got Tennessee to put money into women's basketball when nobody else was. And that helped create the dominance. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, the,
1: there there are a number of Division One, even Power Five schools, that say, you know what, we're going to put our money elsewhere. Uh, we're going to punt on women's basketball. Yeah, we'll hire a coach and we'll, but we're not going to run the eight. I mean, I just saw an article. Ole Miss opened up the books. Their women's basketball program lost $8 million. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, we've talked about South Carolina. Despite all the success, you're running in the red on women's basketball. Now, maybe that changes with the new TV deal that all the uh, non-revenue sports just got a new ESPN deal that, I, as I understand it, I didn't see the exact terms. It's going to be more money. But you, you, the yeah. schools that really dedicate themselves – you're going to move quickly because there's just not the same level of competition. So you get a Dawn Staley, and right away, like when, when I watch South Carolina, and I'm not going to pretend, I mean, you got Brad Muller on. That's my guy. Uh, love Brad. it does an outstanding job, and he'll be able to break it down better than all of us combined. But when I watch the, the, the small samples that I do, every year Dawn's got the most talented team. I mean, her recruiting is just it's next level. She's the Calipari of the women's game. Like, when I watched that game last night, with all due respect to Angel Reese, like, <laughs> I don't see it. Like, she's not on par with the t- elite players at South Carolina. She commits a silly fa- – she got four fouls, and she commits a lazy slap behind- from behind on a shooter. Like, how do you not know not to do that? You're a veteran player. She yeah. looked gassed at the end of the game. She's not a go-to talent. Like, she's not the level of what Dawn has. And when you go, like, 1 through 10 – like the loss to Iowa last year was staggering because Caitlin Clark is a, fun, I mean she's a phenom, um, but player for player, it wasn't even close. South Carolina is a much more talented team than Iowa. Iowa has no business even being in the national championship game. That's because you have a, a Pistol Pete Maravich type talent that comes along once every generation, like Caitlin Clark. But when you watch South Carolina play every game, they're they're severely more talented than everybody they played. LSU, that's not quite as big a gap, but it's still a gap. Mm. I mean, that, that's that's the power of Dawn's recruiting. It's it's at a, at a whole other level than everybody else in the game right now, including RMRE at, at Gino at, at UConn, Kim Mulkey, even though they're spending NIL and everything else to get players at LSU, and whatever other power you want to think of, they don't have the talent that South Carolina does. we
2: See, got to step – yeah, we – uh, she lost a bunch off of last year's team. This is kind of a new team and a and a youngish team, I would say, right? And you look at the it's roster, an it's a new
4: starting five this year than it was last yeah. year with all the freshies so, going.
3: Yeah.
2: To go into that environment. because I mean, that, that's I was impressed with that. It didn't. Uh, now, I'd like to hear the the pet band a little more because yeah. I like it when, that, when they do it. da Go Tigers. da 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 getting hit in the face with a ham sandwich, or my buddy actually walking into Tiger Stadium <laughs> for the Georgia
5: LSU
0: game
2: back in 03.
5: <laughs> Literally uh, Carol- m-
2: mustard and mayonnaise on that ham sandwich too. He was, and he's a non-condiment guy. So
0: Carolina's got four games before they welcome UConn to town on Sunday, February 11th. We'll see if ESPN uh, opens the doors to college game day again to South Carolina on that Sunday afternoon. Cause I guess they can just do that whenever they, they want to, Uh, Between then, though, Vanderbilt's having a nice year, and that's who's up next for South Carolina at home. 17 and 3 overall. 4 and 2 are the Commodores. Commodores, I'm sorry. And then after that, they'll take the uh, trip to Auburn, where LSU was upset earlier this year before uh, facing off against Ole Miss and Missouri. All right, we got to hit a timeout. We're going to Take a turn to left field. Like, literally, that's where Stuart Lake is standing. Not just kidding. He's probably in his office, but he knows a little bit about left field because Gamecock baseball is on the horizon. We'll get into that with Coach Lake. I'm sure he'll have something to say about this game and the men as well. Uh, plus, as Mike already pointed out, Brad Muller ahead. We got plenty more on this game to get to, and including the game that Mike will be calling on TV tomorrow Gamecock men versus Missouri. At Colonial Life Arena, it's set to be another tremendous atmosphere. We'll fill you in on the ticket situation coming up mm. as well. So, we'll hit a quick timeout. One of one of the great ones, isn't that right, guys? Can't we all collectively hug when we say that one of the great ones? Stu, Stu, one Stu, of, Stu,
1: Stu, 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 Stu. He,
0: he's one of the coolest cats out there. Uh, He'll our get that. First, Our version of Louis C.K. Stuart Lake up next. <laughs> uh, I've missed.
6: Uh, got its name. And Chickencock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County.
2: If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Sear Foss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong gamecock fan and many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been a hundred percent satisfied with the detail and care she uses cindy seerfoss 864-414-5271 Colwell banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs
0: building your dream home is often just that a dream and sometimes a nightmare
3: Columbia and go game Cops.
1: But you know it.
0: baseball is on the horizon and they are on the field today scrimmaging kicking off the 24 campaign in columbia south carolina you probably heard a lot of the great voices of carolina baseball and that bumper as it brought us back one of them is mike morgan he's sitting there in the corner you know he, love it remember old mikey uh but uh can't wait till this uh till this thing gets rolling along and we so this is really neat for myself I'm going to speak for you, Phil, and I'm going to speak for you too, JC, because we got two of our favorite people on the planet on the screen with us who've known each other for decades uh, and can talk baseball with the best of them. Coach Lake will be with us every Friday throughout baseball season. Hopefully that gets us all the way through June, Coach, fingers crossed. And then, of course, uh, Mike Morgan, one of the one of the amazing voices for the entire SEC throughout baseball season on ESPN and the SEC Network. But Coach Lake, what's up, man? It's so good to see you.
5: Man, exciting. Been listening to you guys. Been a lot of energy here on campus. So cool to kind of we'll get into baseball. I know when we do. But just fun time right now with men's and women's basketball, obviously doing what's going on.
0: Man, how about that game last night?
5: Incredible. Great. You know, I'm sitting there. I'm listening to JC. I turned on. I heard villains. I thought we were already into my wrestling stuff. With You know, <laughs> because I felt like last night when I look at some of the Coaches for LSU women, they 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 were dressed for it. I mean, you wow. talk about villains. You know, <laughs> was like it was Mardi Gras over there. <laughs> oh my goodness, it was such a contrast to see, but enjoyed it. I mean, just locked in, you know. Or the other night, last night. Now we'll be listening to Mike tomorrow. You know, as as we get Missouri rolling in, so really fun to watch it.
0: I know we've got a we have. It's always a kind of a pro, it's a good problem to have, but it's a problem when Mike is calling. South Carolina on TV because you got Derek on the radio (laughs) and you got Mike on TV and you don't. So I'm one of the idiots that tries to have both on at the same time and my wife thinks I'm nuts. So I'm listening to Mike and listening to Derek and you know know,
5: it's hard. No doubt. But I've told Derek I don't get to hear Mike as much as him. So when Mike's on with the Gamecocks, Derek's fine with me giving him a bump. So I'll be listening to Mike. So <laughs> Mike, don't screw Thank it up. Thank you, Coach. Oh, <laughs> yeah. the, love is,
1: the love is on this side of the table, as the Bob said in office space.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> just both just their a straight shooter with upper management level.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> what would what would you say you do here? Uh <laughs> Stu, you know, every every time you and I get together and I know we're uh, we're gonna do some lunch at, at D's Wings later. Um Oh, it it just harkens me back to those early years. And I've said so many times in my 10 years of doing Gamecock baseball, uh, the one I could really write a book about is the 2000 team, which is my first year. And I'm, you know, I'm a young 20 something year old. I'm really not that much older than the players. So, like, I'm not sitting in the front of the bus at that point. I'm in the back of the bus with those guys and you'll never have a team with more personality. I don't care what the sport is. And, and more, and I say this uh, not disparagingly, I say this as a compliment, more clowns, right? I mean, just guys that would goof off and make you laugh, but but there was a benefit to that and that they made everything so light that that team never felt pressure. And I realize the season didn't end the way they wanted. I, I get it, but um, I, I would just I would just ask you first off, like, Take me back to that 2000 team and kind of the building blocks uh, of the eventual national power that you guys helped create. But how special was that 2000 group?
5: Well, real special. In fact, yesterday we, we were able to get Christian Walker. Coach Tanner was like, I want to go to lunch before Christian takes off. He usually leaves right around Valentine." So we did lunch yesterday, and the story turned. Kyle Lipsy was there with us, a longtime equipment yeah. manager who's now you know been in the athletic department since. Of how mean Coach Tanner used to be. And we were right. joking with Christian of how soft, I'm using fingers, soft he had gotten by 2010. And we were telling the stories of the 2000 team of yeah. when that was the first year. Remember, Mike, you remember we had won the East the year before and didn't make a regional. Right. So we were devastated. You know, we're mm-hmm. getting. We didn't even get rings. We thought we were going to get rings, and Coach said, we didn't go to original. You don't give rings to teams that didn't go to a regional. <laughs> no. 2000, all the guys that came back, our goal was to get some kind of ring. Right. And as Mike said, it was a traveling – I mean, I, Circus, it might not even be fair, with the Trey Dysons, <laughs> Nate Janowitz. And then in, in the middle of all that, as good of players as they were, you got big leaguers, future big leaguers with Drew Meyer and – um, Marcus Macbeth and John is all just different people in those teams. Mm-hmm. But it Peter was – Peter Bowers. A, Peter, yeah. It's the first hey, year Peter Coach Tanner F- said he ever let guys have facial hair because he's a Yankees guy. He said, I, uh, you know, we had short hair, no facial hair. Well, they convinced him that they could have facial hair until they lose. Well, he said, I thought that was the best bet ever because we were going to probably lose opening weekend. You know, you're not <laughs> thinking you're about to run off 22 straight games. Oh, man. And, and I vividly remember we lose to Florida on a Sunday in a really good game, like 5-4. Right. He comes in the locker room, and you'd have thought we had lost 22 in a row. He's blasting people, and this facial hair's got to go. And Nate Janowitz raises his hand calm and cool as we're in there, and Coach Tanner's laughing yesterday, remembering it. And he goes, what do you want, Jana? He goes, Coach, uh, can we please have one more shot at this facial hair? Give us one more loss. If you'll just let us. If we lose, next game we'll all clean shave, cut our hair. And, you know, it just broke. As Coach said, I started to realize these guys were feeling it too. And if you remember, we won on, I think we won another 14 or 15 or something. That's right. That's right.
1: Until Arkansas.
5: Yep. And when we lost that game, Coach had finally moved on from the hair. He was like, keep it. Somewhere. Can I
1: share the Arkansas story just real quick? I know we got a ton of stuff to get to. Oh, so, good. so we're in Fayetteville now. Fayetteville has always Which been a nightmare.
5: Story exactly, are you sharing?
1: What? No, 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 oh. not that one. No, 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 no. There's, there's one that will never be told. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, i
5: to find that too. Yeah. Camera goes off. Like there's like, one
1: that'll never be told about another uh, Gamecock assistant coach. That, uh, that a little more wild than than one tame Stewart Lake, um. So we're we're at Arkansas and we're staying at this dive hotel. I can't remember what the hell it was. They didn't have a ton of good hotels in Fayetteville anyway. And the the South Carolina baseball budget when Ray took over, it was embarrassingly low. Let me just say, like, to to do what he did and what you guys did. Without the, the backing of an LSU, an Arkansas, an Auburn, a Florida those, those teams spent so much more money on baseball. You guys were like the the Kmart budget winning SEC championships and dominating the league and doing it with less than what everybody else had, but that's a whole other story. So we're at this dive hold I remember you got you guys went to practice one day and I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna bail on this one and, and we're on the bus and Ray's like because the hotel had, at night, this dive hotel, had a dance floor, and and like some of the shadiest people in the Ozarks would go down there in their cowboy boots, and they, they weren't even staying at the hotel, but they were just there to dance. And Ray's like, what, 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 you do? what you doing, Mike? Not going to practice? You going to that juke joint? You going to dance with some ladies at the juke joint? I said, no, Ray, I, I have no interest in any of those ladies. I'm going up to my bed and rest. It's been a long trip, I think. Every time we went to Arkansas, flights were delayed. We didn't charter back then. Again, the budget was too low. We had to drive to Charlotte, fly to Fayetteville, drive another 30 minutes to the hotel. But we wind up clinching the SEC in Fayetteville, even though the series didn't go great. Uh and so the news comes over, and I remember first off, Toman was like, We gotta celebrate if this happens. And I'm like, Well, you know I'm game. But the other thing I remember is that Dyson and Janowitz, two of the ringleaders of that circus, come up to me and they're like, Hey, we're gonna we're gonna take Ray and we're gonna throw him in the pool. There was an indoor pool in the hotel. And I was like, hmm, is he gonna is he gonna find that funny? Ray seems like a pretty intense guy. <laughs> like, no, I don't think he's gonna find it funny. And then they started thinking about it, and they're like, "Man, I don't want to do it. I'm going to get in trouble. He'll he'll kick me off the team." So now they're going to all the younger players, like, "Hey, would would you mind picking up Ray and, and throwing him in the pool?" The Younger player, like, "Hell, I'm not throwing Ray in the pool." Drew Meyer, who they called franchise because he was a second round draft pick, come on, Drew, you got to do this, man. You're the fr- I'm not throwing Ray in the pool. You think I want to be benched and get kicked off the team? So now they're going to me, Mike. You're he's you, not going to kick you off the team. You're just you're the announcer. Why don't you pick up Ray and throw him in the pool? I said, "Hell no!" <laughs> Ray kicked my rear end like I'm not throwing Ray in the pool. So this whole grand scheme, after clinching the SEC, the first in Gamecock history in baseball, everybody was trying to figure out how, when they got back to the hotel, they were going to pick Ray up, walk him over to the indoor pool and toss him in there. And nobody had the the, the brass to do it because they all knew. It'd be their ass if they if they did
0: it. <laughs> yeah, I would think that would be something that Coach Toman back then would have gladly wanted to do. Well, yeah, Jim would probably do
1: a cannonball nude, but but he wasn't going to throw Ray in either if he valued his job.
5: No, he it was, was that was a crazy. If you remember, Mike, we tried we couldn't get back the next day.
1: That's right. Yeah, because we were stuck there.
5: President Clinton, or maybe he was governor at that time. I don't know. They shut the whole airport down, and we had to spend yes. the night an extra night. Extra night really at the juke joint. Panic, yeah. yeah. And that was actually what he said. I don't like staying here. There's a juke joint next door. So he told me and Coach Tolman, and you were probably signed to this too, you guys got to make sure none of our guys are getting down there. So I remember yeah. we made sure of that. And we didn't let any players get into juke joint on that Sunday night. <laughs> so that was uh crazy, crazy weekend. And it was our first one. I – I know we got a lot more important stuff to talk about, but that year is when Trey Dyson actually convinced Coach Tanner on road games to have 15 free minutes of the microphone on the bus. On the bus. Yes. And right. he would know, everyone a nickname, and, you know, he would, as you got on the bus, if you were chanting my stoo Stu, Stu Stu Stu, was, Stu.
2: Stu, Stu, Stu,
5: Everyone had a nickname. So right. they had them for everybody, and Coach Tanner – who did have big calves and forearms. They called him ah. calves and forearms. Calves
1: and forearms. Cavs and forms.
5: And he would make me literally hold a stopwatch. And as we walked out of the dugout, because I was sprinting to the bus, I wanted to hear Dyson do his whole Rodney Dangerfield routine. And I would start my stopwatch. He would get on the bus, sit down and look at me and go, how much is left? And I'd be like 40 seconds. As soon as it hits 15, take the microphone that's for it. Dyson and that's it. But yeah. What a fun time. And that was like you said, you're starting out. That was my first college job. I thought that's what they're all supposed to be like when right. 56 games and, oh. and have that kind of fun. So it kind of spoiled me.
0: Goodness. But it, it got it, it got everything kickstarted. And eventually, well, that's why we are where we are doing what we're doing because these no guys, doubt. it's, I mean, it, 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 yeah, it, uh, we probably need to carve out an entire three hour program one day and just, Commercial free? Well, we can't do commercial free because we got to have time to recoup.
3: Got to you know pay the I'm bills.
0: You gotta, yeah. Somebody's got to pay the bills around here, uh, <laughs> and and just bring 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 them all on, which we'll do a lot of that on opening day, anyways. But uh, and and get in all that type of stuff.
1: I I'll mean, say one more thing about the two thousand team. Uh, sorry to uh, interrupt, and then I'll I'll uh, yeah, no, fade no, no, out no, no. here. You have to remember at that time, uh, this was before the fall of 2000, when Lou had the great football season. This was after Eddie had his two good years in basketball. Carolina was struggling as a program under Mike McGee. Football was lousy, 21 losses in a row. Basketball was petering out under Eddie. Baseball had a rough time before Ray took the job in 97 from June Uh, and And losses were piling up to in-state rival Clemson and everything. I remember people calling up my talk show, and, and you know, Columbia is a pretty diverse city. It's, it's a Gamecock city, but there are several Clemson fans. So they were calling in and rubbing it in. Oh, what was that now, 7-0 and in every sport? And I'm just like, jeez. So that win at the Sarge, I think it was 11-12 innings, coach, where Marcos Rios hit the walk-off. <laughs> Dyson had the huge home run to tie it in the ninth. I remember my call – uh, was it, the the background noise rattling off the sergeant into our booth? It was. It, it didn't even sound real. Um, and and then he hit the game winner in the eleventh or whatever it was. But that win against Clemson, it just changed the morale of Gamecock the Gamecock fan base because it showed, hey, we can actually be good in something, and we could be better than Clemson in something. They beat Clemson twice that year. Back then, you only played twice. Uh, went 2-0 and so that to me was one of the biggest wins not just in Gamecock baseball history really in Gamecock history it just it just changed the overall tone of where Gamecock athletics were because it really had hit a a low point before that.
5: I agree and you know growing up I've told you all this I grew up a Gamecock fan so those moments remember so vividly because we weren't sure we had just kind of got punched in the face the year before 99 we're you win the East, you don't make a regional. Remember it start Clemson made it to, I think Texas A and M super regional had lost. So they didn't go to world series the year before. So they were our first chance to kind of validate that we're pretty good. Right. We kind of thought we were good. We didn't know we were going to turn out to be number one in the country that year. good, but no doubt those wins. I mean, to, to remember them as vividly as we do, you run into anyone from those teams. We'll get into those stories. Yeah. And that's, what's so cool about that season. And it, it just brought our fans into the baseball program in a way. I don't think they'd ever had the opportunity to be as involved. Right. And that's when it was always something going on with somebody on that team.
0: Well, I mean, that, that was even when the conversations, correct me if I'm wrong guys, but I mean, I've talked to coach Tanner about this before. I'm pretty sure it was about that year when they started beginning to have the conversations about building a new ballpark. I mean, Drew, I mean, I'm gonna Drew forever. Obviously, Drew's a dear friend. Uh, Drew's like, hey, when Coach Tanner was recruiting me, we were talking about getting a new ballpark built. Oh yeah, by the time you're gone, or by the time your your careers uh, in this last year here, we we'll probably have a new stadium. Oh, seven years later, obviously, but but yeah. I mean, but they were beginning to have those conversations and it and all that heated up after that that campaign. What happened in two thousand? And, of course, it, t- it took some time to get it all done. And now we all know you just saw it as we came into this segment here. It, Founders Park is as special as any in college baseball. Um, and that's where they're going to be this year, trying to get to the World Series, Coach. And so to kind of, you know, bring these bring this group into it here, you know, it, putting that uniform on with everything that comes with it, uh, you've also got a couple of new guys in the dugout doing that. But one of them is very familiar with the program, Matt Williams. Um, and then Joey Holcomb coming down and and uh, from Campbell and and I mean it's it's a, it's a pretty elite group of coaches. Can we all agree on that? I mean these guys are, are pretty good at what they do. Have you talked to Matt much, uh, Coach Lake? And, and I, h- how's he
5: been doing? I do, and I, I don't want to show my age because Mike's probably older than me. But I remember Matt as now as a kid. Mm-hmm. You got to realize his dad's a high school coach forever, and then Matt gets in. He's at Spartanburg Methodist recruiting, so. I mean, when I run into Coach Williams, I mean, it's kind of like me and Mike. We just pick up wherever the story ended and you start talking. There's never really a hello or a text. There's never like, <laughs> hey, what's up? It's just flow with it. So I do. And I'm getting to know Joey a little bit. I haven't gotten to really be around him. And, and I feel bad when I go over because I'm talking to Monty or I'm talking to Coach Williams or Coach King or Billy Anderson. Dan, there's so many of us that have known each other for a long time. We, I feel bad because it, it just stands there. You know, and I joked the other day, I said, get in here and say something, insult somebody. And, fit, you know, he laughed at me. And uh, so I do. I, I'm excited that the weather allowed, you know, today, I, you kind of finally oh. get to start seeing something today. They're going to scrimmage. So, um, you know, get to go over there. And before that, and it kind of leads into what I want to make sure we're meeting the day to kind of start setting the stage for what we do opening day for Tommy. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we all know that. And we've talked about. You know, we'll talk a lot more in the next few weeks, but it's just been exciting to me to, of some of the things we'll get to do on that opening day to honor Tommy. And it's sad too. I, I promise you, Derek and I were on the phone after the women's game last night, both of us excited and, and it comes up in every conversation, but we got some things that I'm really, I really want our fans in the stadium that opening day, not that they wouldn't be early get in and get to do it and really, acknowledge what he meant to the program. So today we're kind of maybe putting the finishing touches on that plan so you can start preparing, you know, everybody for opening day and it'll be something we get to talk in more detail about as we get a little closer, but I'm just very proud of some of the things we get to do to honor Tommy.
0: Yeah, I, you know, it's um and, and you're right. It, it, we're going to uh, we'll talk about him all year forever. Uh, I, when he passed, and we dedicated our entire program the day after he, he passed, uh, both of both of you, we, we talked to both of y'all, Coach King, Coach Tanner came on, you know, Monty, and, um, and that word kept coming up, didn't it, guys? Genuine, 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 genuine. Everybody said it. Everybody repeated it. And everybody still does. Mike, you, and Coach Lake were talking about what happened 24 years ago. Sorry, guys. <laughs> that was 24 years ago. 24 years ago. We were kids then.
5: Really young. And, I, I was I a game can two. Can, of, I, can I get this one in? This is, I always yeah. get Mike. So they yeah. pushed me yeah. and Mike. We basically sat behind the trainers back then, I think. I, I know yeah. it's like Brian I know sat in front of me, but it oh, was yeah. always me. And then right behind me was Mike. And then Tom Price would sit with Mike a lot on trips. And I would Mike was <laughs> trying to sleep. He had probably been up late that night studying for one of something. <laughs> something you know? like that. But I would, such a Gamecock fan, I would try to see how many times I could get Tom Price to say Metro Conference. That was my, like, over-under word of how many stories can I get Tom to tell me about the old Metro Conference, the way he would say it. And we didn't have phones easy enough for Mike to text me. So Mike would, like, write me a note and go, Will you please stop <laughs> talking to Tom I can sleep? Because Tom, as y'all remember, oh, man. the guy would talk as long as anyone on earth could talk. Oh, the whole hour.
1: He could oh. talk an entire eight-hour trip. He That's where great. I learned so much of my Gamecock history. I just threw like a sponge through osmosis. I just listened to Tom Price.
2: I remember oh. listening to Mike and Tom call a game, and Mike would be like, he'd do his Golden Tones thing, and I'm like, I remember back in 1958 when the Gamecocks were playing. This, oh, my goodness. Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and this, this ballpark sort of reminds me of those days. I mean, it's on and on and on. Beautiful. I miss it. I Bob, miss it.
1: Bob Fulton, oh. who who was just a saint and a mentor of mine and a big proponent of mine from the moment I got the job, he would say, "Mike, you got to stop letting Tom talk too much." I, I blame myself. I put him on the air, and he, hey, I wouldn't, sh- I I couldn't tell him to shut up. I would mute his microphone. And the guy before me, Steve Stewart, he, that's what he would do he would be calling the game and he'd literally cut Tom's mic. And I was too nice of a guy and I'm not going to turn off a legend's microphone, but every <laughs> now and then you had to, you had to reel him in. And then I'm trying to have fun with him because Tom was an old Navy guy and he was just nuts and bolts. And, and uh, you know, everybody knows the story that there's a, there's so many of them, but one was we were at LSU getting thumped and, and you know, Stu, they could do that to anybody that this was their, one of their national championship teams and, and uh when 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 Carolina was doing well, Tom had a lot to say. I mean, he was opening up that record book, and he was spitting out facts and names and numbers. but when when we were losing, it was a sulk fest. And so it's like eleven to two in the fifth inning. And, I know, I was there. And, and and that's when you need an analyst the most to remember this now in case you ever happen to be doing this work uh you, you as an analyst you don't get to just quit when you the team is not doing well you got to keep doing your job so 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 he
3: so
1: he so, so so he's not saying like anything and i'm like i'm i'm what we call engaging the analyst i'm setting him up so i'm not letting him just go go dark on me and i said well, Tom, that's a, another tough uh, outing for the bullpen. Yeah, man. Didn't have it today. Nobody does. And then I'd say something <laughs> else, like, oh, that's a, a tough, tough strike out there for Meyer. He's not seeing the ball well today. Yeah, I don't know if any of our guys are today, Mike. Anyway. <laughs> and so he's just –
2: I would turn the game on. I could tell if Carolina's winning or losing. You know, whenever you listen to a baseball broadcast. Oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That baseball chatter, <laughs> silence. Like you can hear the crowd. Exactly. I'd turn it on and I'd hear Mike. Here's the pitch. Silence. Silence.
1: Sil- silence. Oh yeah. it's Like
2: three seconds to hit the catcher's mitt.
1: That, that's right. And Tom Strike. just would move. Would move the, lose the power of speech.
2: Yeah, it's like. And sure, finally- yeah, it was like been a rough night, right? Tom, Show sure is. Yeah, I mean, that's I, I, right. I, 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 Mike had not said the score since I've been on. And I know they're getting their ass pummeled because it's He's like- given
1: me two word answers to, to everything. And so now it's like the seventh inning and it's twelve to two. And I say something and he gives me a short, abrupt answer, and I say another thing, and he gives me a short abrupt answer. And people still remember they 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 joke with me what they remember where they were when they heard this. It got real silent and it's like twenty seconds in between we didn't have a pitch clock back then, twenty seconds in between pitches, and I just looked over and I said Tom, you ever kill a man? And without hesitation, with, again, he's an old school newspaper guy. Without hesitation, he goes, well, Mike, I never killed a man, but I did witness three executions in my UPI days. And I was just like, wow, what a response. That's beautiful. The 2-2 pitch gold. on the way. <laughs> that one slapped out. So yeah. you witnessed three executions? Uh, yeah. And it looks like we have another call to the bullpen. Uh, they'll bring in the right-hander with a 435 earned run average, a 2-1 record, uh, 27 strikeouts and 7 walks. Was that the gas chamber or the chair? No, that was the that was the chair back then, Mike. They didn't do the gas chamber a whole lot. But uh, I was there, and we had to write about it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. 11-2 our score as we get ready for the bottom of the seventh. And that's how you just had to – I would always try to find ways to get personality out of time like – He was so critical of the National Anthem. If you didn't sing the National Anthem right, you know, you get these, like, young kids on college campuses. And I'd be like, wow, that young lady, Tom, she really brought it. Yeah, I didn't really care for it, Mike. Uh, I thought she kind of overdid it there in the middle of the uh, anthem. I'm I'm old school. I like it when they just sing it the way it was intended to be sung. So then we did a – I did a segment. All right, it's time now for the Tom Price National Anthem grade review. Uh, what did what'd you give her there? I gave her a C+. Plus. I didn't like a presentation, but she does have a fairly nice voice. And then the other thing I did was on those long road trips, you know how it was, Stu. We play like the seven, the same seven VHS tapes, whether it was like Gladiator or Fight Club or whatever. And, uh, you know, Tom, it's time now for the Tom Price bus ride movie review. What'd you think of Gladiator for the seventeenth? I didn't find it very uh, entertaining, Mike, and it's much too violent for my taste. I gave it a D minus. Well, that's a pretty tough grade. Yeah, well, I just, in the old days, Citizen Kane was a much better flick. I said, yeah, I know, but I mean, in today's day, how about Happy Gilmore? I didn't find that Sandler guy very funny. I thought it was very sophomoric. Uh, didn't really didn't laugh one time, Mike. I, and I'm tired of watching that movie. All right, Tom, thank you very much. Let's get to the let's get to the stats it it was just it was it was it was the most awkward and unusual broadcast because i'm again we had tommy moody for home games they wouldn't pay for tommy to travel (laughs) so tom price was my analyst on road games and uh we just we made the most of it we made the most of it And, and and i will say a better human being even though he was rough around the edges You won't find a better dude than Tom Price. He's like the grandfather I wish I had because I lost my grandparents at a young age. But the man was a Navy veteran. He was a a great father, grandfather, a hard-working man, and obviously loved the Gamecocks as much as you could.
5: He was, as we said, he was part of that whole show because I knew – Mike could tell you when we lost, it was misery on the bus. If someone, if it had been on TV, we had to watch the game on the way home. That's right. And Coach Tanner, <laughs> nobody even wanted to like stand up, use a bathroom. He had his walkman on listening to you know hootie and the blowfish. But we lose at Clemson at two thousand something. And Tom had never said anything to us on the bus. And I just never forget. Coach Myers, I'd kind of moved up in the bus line by now. So Coach Myers is sitting to my right. And Tom walks on a little bit late. I guess y'all got the stuff together and he looks at Coach Myers, who's not exactly the biggest conversationalist after all. <laughs> no. And in that voice, he just goes, Why do we keep pitching to Michael Johnson? And it just broke all the ice of all of us. Uh, because uh, Coach Myers didn't know how to answer. Great. And Tom just stood there. He wanted an answer. And finally, Coach Tanner says, well, Tom, they got a pretty good lineup. Who, who yeah. should we pitch to?
3: Khalil and he Green. to
5: Coach Tanner and goes, anyone but Michael anyone. Johnson. Anyone <laughs> but Michael Johnson. <laughs> and that just I, to this day I kick on Coach Myers.
1: Oh my god. Johnson had like eight home runs against oh. Carolina. He was a game. Well that you,
0: was when he was in the middle of in the uh, middle of Baker and, Green Khalil, and, right? and Jeff yeah. Baker, two yeah, big leaguers. Conway. Yeah.
2: Conway. Conway he was from Conway, right? Kid was from Conway. Michael Johnson Conway was from
5: Georgetown. 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 I knew he was down there yeah. somewhere. Yep. But he dad uh, was the high school coach at yep. Georgetown, and I know. Another day, I'll give you. And Mike may have been there. Our zoo story at Omaha with Michael Johnson and his family, which is a fun story that I'll say for yeah, another. Yes.
1: Save that in the gorilla yeah, story. He, he killed yeah.
5: the Gamecocks, but Gamecocks got the last laugh on that entire bunch.
2: I'll never yep, forget. No that. doubt. I oh, think yeah. I jinxed y'all in two thousand. I, I was a, I was actually at Carolina as a student that year. I didn't, and there were no tickets for the game game two with Louisiana Lafayette. So me and a buddy, we got a case of, a cooler full of beer It sat on the berm. Maybe y'all, I was shot 7-1, to one, and then uh the next day happened. But
1: that Bauer was, didn't uh, have it.
2: I should have never came to the game because y'all were winning, and I was just fine listening to Mike in, in my car on the radio or, or holding yeah. the antenna up so I could get 560 after dark.
5: Went through a lot of therapy to forget that, so thank you, JC, for yeah. bringing up so this game. <laughs> that's what, he's good at that. I remember everything.
0: I remember fun, where I was. I mean – <laughs> Like I remember
2: the Stanford series the next year I was working for Sammy's Deli delivering euros I was on Blossom Street uh, and I had to pull over because it was raining in Columbia cats and dogs in game game three and I listened to the final few outs in that four to three heart wrenching loss after. Stanford won three to two. Stanford Stanford, won eleven to to one, and and that eleven to one game at Stanford, Mike, was one of those where I turned it on because Tom was not talking. I think Tom was with you there, Uh, but he was there. Silence. Yeah, it's sunken diamond.
0: But um, yeah, but hey, look, Whitaker hit the ball to the wall, and yes,
1: yes, Uh, that that hurt. The the Lafayette game, uh, that that's that's probably the most painful moment I ever had behind the microphone, and and I still get people and we don't have the call but you know the 2002 pack your pack your bags columbia for the first time in 17 years the Cucks are going to omaha everybody uh, a lot of fans that that year remembered that call and they're like and i didn't write down i know a lot of announcers write down calls on the on the the napkin the night before and and it's, to me that's disingenuous and you know you can tell it's staged and it's just like come on dude just just be original so i made a mistake in 2000 i don't know if i've ever told this story I literally, after winning the first game against Lafayette, and all you've got to do is win one more. It's best two out of three in a super. I already started talking to people that I knew that lived near Omaha. Hey, man, I'm going to see you out there. I can't wait. I literally packed my suitcase that Friday night after the game one win, and I had everything packed out for a lengthy trip to Omaha. Mm -hmm. And after the Sunday loss, I came back and I looked at that suitcase and I Probably had, like, a temper tantrum. I was so upset, and so and I learned a valuable lesson. You know, don't count your chickens before they hatch. You know, what are you doing packing your suitcase? You didn't clinch anything. So when 2002 came, I said, I'm not going to pack anything, and I sure as hell am not going to think about what I'm going to say if we win this game and clinch Omaha. So when it came out the way it did, and, of course, it was the crazy Miami miracle (laughs) comeback, but when it came out the way it did – there was a little bit of a, now you can pack your bags. Now we're going to Omaha.
7: Hmm.
1: That's where that my brain went from that because in 2000, I already had my bags packed. Because I thought we were going, and then 2002, I'm like, no, now you can pack your bags. Now the Gamecocks are going to Omaha. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if I, at that stage of my life, I'd never been happier in, in a day in my life. I it was could not unbelievable. Not
2: that. Because they got up 4-1. So you never and unpacked. I was like, the here we, here we go back. again. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was 4 to 1 going into the ninth. and and you could hear it in the crowd, Stu. You probably felt it uh, coaching first base. Like the Sarge was like, "Oh sh- oh crap, here we go again." Yep. Here we go again. It's going to be another 3 to 2 type loss. Gamecock offense hitting home runs all regular season, then you run into great pitching and you're not going to be able to do it. And if you go back and you listen to that night, and I, I think I I lost my voice, and it, it really like at that point I was really more of a fan than I, I actually was an announcer. If you listen to it, I would never like use that as my teaching tape for young announcers. But and and, and like when Busher broke for home and he should have been thrown out by a mile, I actually said, "What is he doing?" And then he's safe, and like every bizarro thing that could happen. Happen and, and finally the pendulum of bad luck turned into good luck to help that team go to Omaha. It was yeah. the whole thing was just ridiculously good.
0: I remember just, when Greg um, Bush broke. I said the same thing because we were sitting on the third base line, going, "Oh my God, what is he doing? What's oh he my doing? God, he's safe. Yes, he's safe. that's that's exactly that was what the call. That was the whole ballpark. The whole yeah. ballpark. Never what, count if, out of the game. the, of the, the I, I
2: learned that. Never count them out. And you ever notice? Back then, the Sarge, like, and even today at Founders, people will leave if it's out of control.
0: One thing people noticed, didn't leave back then.
2: Like, the Sarge, nobody ever left. That crowd stayed. Um, I remember I was, I was actually at Palo Alto, California, before working. Mike, I don't know if you were there or not. Uh, <laughs> I had to check the score on the Internet on Gamecock Central back then because <laughs> they had a thread and there was no cell phones or anything like that. They were down 13-1 to 1 at home to Georgia. And I, and I think they would have lost the series had they lost it. And uh, so I go to the Half Moon Bay and get some seafood and kind of licking my wounds, wondering, you know, what the hell is the season going to turn out to be. And uh, turn it back on. Final score, Gamecocks 14, Georgia 13. <laughs> I'm like, uh, like I think Georgia was 13 to one after five innings. And I was like, yeah, man, you never count these guys out. I think that's the magic of this program, too. There's been so many moments like that. Where just Party at Cox.
1: Was a you know, they were the
2: cardiac cocks back then.
5: Well, that's what we were talking about yesterday, Christian, and, you know, Kyle was there for so much, and I was fortunate. We were winning. I don't think we even realized, I'll say it. We were winning 45 to 50-plus games yeah. back then, and we took the losses terrible. Yeah. I mean, Mike was on those bus. I'm telling you, 43-2, and two and people are getting screamed at and – I was afraid it, to speak on the bus yeah.
1: after a loss. I was literally afraid to talk to anyone. I was and the same you way. felt it. Yeah, I was like, don't, don't you say anything. You know, I always
5: yeah. told Coach Tanner, I thought the greatest gift, and this is the biggest compliment I could give him, I was always happy for him when we won and disappointed for him when we lost. It was yeah. never about you. It, right. He had put so much in, and he took them so hard, and then – you know, to finally get to Omaha, that whole thing, I think we all dogpiled. I know I did. I ran and jumped in it because I'd been through Lafayette and Stanford and, and just thinking maybe this just ain't supposed to happen. Right. And then for it to happen the way it did. And then just imagine now as we're sitting with Christian, I mean, it's double digit years since Christian Walker's played here, you know, it's going on 14, I guess, since the first national championship. And, it's just, it's really amazing how that time flies. And, you know, JB, really, it's, I know we didn't get to it much, and we will, but this team, I'm excited they start figuring out who's who. I know Cole Messina. You know, we obviously, we know Ethan Patrick knows. I will see some, if I can throw a little Mike Morgan mic drop in, I think we'll tip key to this team. Because if this guy Good. can solidify shortstop, then you can start worrying about maybe who's here and who's there, but you go back to all these teams we're talking about, there was one constant, had a big-time shortstop. It's yeah. This program has had incredible guys play shortstop. And I think the the one guy I'm going over here today to watch and look is, is seeing his tip at that guy. Well,
0: I tell you what, do, do you have – are you in a hurry, or do you have about 10, 15 I don't, I don't
5: think I got to 120. I have an important lunch date well, at 20, <laughs> I think. Is we, what it we won't Besides that, that I'm, I feel like Kramer. I, I'm <laughs> sure my boss is going – what do you mean 120? He's not working it at all. He's a, but no working on the
1: Penske file. We we know yeah. who
0: your boss we know who your boss is. We'll we'll <laughs> we'll uh we can we can handle it. No, I'm good. Do I need to text Coach Tanner a link so he can defend himself on this program oh.
5: or um, oh, leave him out. He bought lunch yesterday, so I'm gonna have to wear it that oh. out <laughs> That's good. That's good. Now, I just got uh, it. <laughs>
0: I so we need like, a text from Monty I don't know. Name, no, no, okay, my money, my money. It's doing the
2: mic thing again, Jamie. Yeah. I hate the system.
1: You're breaking up, Jamie.
2: Yeah, you turn the music on, it, it mutes you. It did it to oh, fill can the can you hear
0: me now? Now, now you're yeah, back. Yeah, it's you like go. five, se- five yeah. seconds. I was, I was saying I just got a text from Monty, but he, he was responding to something I'd sent earlier. I thought maybe Monty was paying attention too. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, I tell you what, let's hit a timeout. We got to get to the national anthem because we're all Americans here. That's what baseball is all about: is the national anthem. And then uh, when we, I give it back, a C
2: plus, Jimmy. I didn't really like her delivery.
0: Well, I wonder. I wonder how he would have graded. Uh, y'all remember when um, when uh, Evan, um, what's his name, played the electric guitar? You remember that uh, back in like 10, 12 years ago. I'm not Uh, a
1: fan of the uh, instrumental anthem. I believe if you're going to perform it, somebody has to use their vocals in order to be fully uh, executed properly.
2: Oh, hippie Jimi Hendrix, hippie at Woodstock, is a hippie. (laughs) uh, I do remember.
1: Probably was uh, a pinko uh, as well.
2: The Gamecocks of 1969. I do remember uh, Paul Dietzel did win a football conference title that year. Evan Marzilli. Marzilli.
0: How can we forget Marzilli? One of the nicest guys ever. All right, so let's hit a timeout. We'll get to the anthem and then oh, transition. The yeah, from he played the national anthem, electric guitar. That's what we need to get Holbrook to do before one of his College of Charleston games. Now that he's playing the acoustic.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
0: hey, remind me to talk about the first pitch. Let's talk about the first pitch banquet for
2: for one minute when we get back.
0: The yeah. player's mom texted me and asked me if we could talk about it. I think we. I saw Lori in there just a little while ago. Yeah, yeah. Lori's good people. She's good people. Lori is good, and her son's going to be really good. We'll talk about him and others when we return on Inside the Game, guys.
8: The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you.
1: Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Screen and it goes to Brewer.
7: 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown Brewer, his second of the day.
6: Pitches it to Brewer,
3: turns to corner. Touchdown,
7: number three of the afternoon.
1: Hey folks, it's Mike Morgan for Ryan Brewer Fence. That's right, you know the former Gamecock legend as a terrific college football player. Well, I know him as that too. I also know him as the guy that runs a great business, one of the best businesses in South Carolina. How do I know that? Well, for one, I'm actually a client of Ryan's. I had my home in Columbia done years ago, and his crew did an outstanding job just as he does For everybody else, whether you're in the market for a fence, railings, columns, or anything in between, their craftsmanship, their experience and service, second to none. Ryan Brewer Fence has over 15 years of experience with consultation and installation of residential and commercial fencing and railings. Rest assured, your job will be done With an unparalleled level of expertise, and it's done on time, and they do it right the first time. Again, you're not going to do any better than Ryan Brewer, Ryan Brewer Fence. The website is ryanbrewer.net. Set up an appointment today. Tell them Mike sent you.
2: My company is Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. We are based in Columbia, South Carolina, and we have two lines of sauces and a spice rub i mean when people try our product they know it's a gourmet product and it can go on any type of food
5: it's not surprisingly delicious it's expectedly delicious
8: the state farm personal price plan helps you create an affordable price just for you contact local agent gary patterson for your personal price plan today
0: From Billy G, Bill Goss, Carol, Billy G's Carolina Barbecue.com to order your catering or your food truck or Carolina Barbecue to have the Carolina Gold or the Sweet Heat or both delivered right to your doorstep, including their secret spice rub that goes literally on everything from vegetables to meats to mashed potatoes, you name it, shrimp, mm, yeah, it's good on shrimp. Carolina Barbecue com and Billy G's Carolina Barbecue com. If you need hey, Remember guys When graduation gets here In a few months Caterers are booked up So you might want to book them now If you got somebody Or know somebody That's uh, going to be graduating College, high school Whatever it may be Billy G's Carolina Barbecue Dot com Stuart Lake Mike see, Morgan Still here you think you us.
2: put the rub On the mashed potatoes?
0: Absolutely That's it's a fantastic. good idea mm-hmm. Yeah I know
2: I wonder if Dan's listening. I was going to say something about the mashed potatoes around here.
0: Chef Bradford D. Is, uh, <laughs> with, for, for, with, we spent most of the hour uh, talking about Tom and Tommy and Mike in the booth uh, together. It, 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 just a friendly reminder. The easiest way to go back and remember that amazing trio. I know Mike's still on the screen. I'm making blush. But that amazing trio. Just watch the five in a row on YouTube. That's the best 10-minute clip that you can ask for. I remember in that clip, Mike, you said something after the third or the fourth one. Maybe it might have been the one that Drew hit out. And uh, is about playing them on the, the – uh, Georgia's going to need to start playing their guys on the warning track and yeah. Tom Price. Or in the parking lot. Or in the parking lot. <laughs> you know, just directly right into it. I mean, that was, that was a neat day. That, we, all, we all talk about it often, so it's uh, an it, easy
1: uh, way. I've never seen anything like it since. Uh, and I've gotten to call games at every level that there is, from the majors to the minors to college. And I don't think I'll ever see it again or call anything like that again. Uh, and there's a couple of versions of that clip that are circulating. But the first one who was recorded by a, a guy I don't know, um it's a little overmodulated, um, not to nitpick, but I mean, it just it just sounds a little distorted. Uh, but it it at the last count, I think it had over seven hundred and fifty thousand views. Uh, somebody said, Mike, I think that's the most viewed Gamecock clip on the internet in history. Uh, so I we don't get any royalties off of that, but let's see if we can hit a million. <laughs> let's well, see if we could go ahead and hit one
0: million. Why not? That it's oh God, wait, that has been eighteen years. Well, eighteen I th- years. One of the uh. My, that, that day, and then we'll move on, and we'll, get, we'll, we'll mention uh, what's happening with the first pitch banquet and then get into this team here. But one of my favorite things to do when, when talking about that game is to make sure that Justin knows that his ball was the fifth longest home run hit of the five. <laughs> that Not all surprisingly. The other went way further than his, and his reaction is the same every time. It involves two words, and one of them starts with, with the letter F. Yeah. <laughs> um, because he doesn't like the fact that, uh, you know, we give him you know blank about everything. But Dishers' ball really probably did go 500 oh, feet. Uh, the Aiken that bomber? ball was hammered.
5: That ball, as Stewart, a matter of fact, were, that no, year – I was coaching at Ole Miss. We were playing the night game, the it was, it was Super Regionals. You guys are like the early game. That's right. So it was like 2006, yep. right? Or something. In the middle of
0: the afternoon. Yeah. Oh,
5: so And it was.
0: Yeah. Ninety eight. It's like degrees. a one o'clock game or something. Yeah. So we're yeah. having our
5: team. Coach Bianco is big in the team meals. I promise you. It'll miss you eat everything, team meals. And we had it on screen, and I'm sitting there with you know Chris Coglin and Zach Cozart <laughs> and all these guys that are turned. they're great players that are on and big leaguers. Yeah. And they're just looking at me like, jeez, I'm going, yeah. I, Cause at that point, South Carolina still is a lot of ways, hit home runs. I mean, that's yeah. what it was known for hitting home runs and listening to y'all. And I am right. like, it, it was incredible. To, yeah, that was it, crazy. That. Yeah. It's
1: uh, I am looking at the clip now on YouTube seven hundred ninety five thousand views. Um, yes. That what 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 stands out to me, and I pointed this out during that clip. Uh, this was not a regional. Sometimes in a regional, you face. You know, whoever's got any pitching left, you just throw them out there, and it becomes a joke. Quite frankly, it's baseball at its worst. This is Game One of a Super Regional. There's no wind blowing out. You're facing the best pitchers that Georgia has to offer, and you still did that. Yeah. And, and it's not like Georgia hit ten homer. I mean, the ball they were all just barreled. No cheapies. No wind blown. No ham and Eggers on the mound, and. They j ju- it, it was un- i have never seen anything quite like it. I don't think it'll ever be done again, particularly in a game like that. like you're not beating up on the four seed from the Miac, right yeah. you're you're beating up on a co- a college World Series Georgia team from the SEC, and the you're host. smoking them yes. a host yeah. at Foley Field, yeah. and you're smoking them left and right. and the sixth ball Both
0: nearly got out. out of there, yeah, yeah. Ian Paxton. Right, he he just he he just topped it a little bit. You know that thing died on the wall, but died on the wall. It was,
3: it, it was incredible.
0: It, we've seen some balls fly out of Athens. I remember a couple of years ago, or a couple a couple years after that, in 08, during the regular season over there, we got swept, and Carolina only scored five runs in three games, Mike, if you remember. But all five were via the long ball. One of them was off the bat of Justin, and it bro- broke a limb over the right center field wall <laughs> up in the trees. Um, and um, but but they got swept. But ball flies over there if you can uh, if you can focus and without the, the yep. drunk students up there in the right field corner yeah, yelling this, at you the whole time. This this past season in 2023, Gamecocks
2: had a good weekend oh, knocking I, it over the fence. Messina
5: hit one over there
0: this past year that still hadn't landed.
5: Well, I mean, what I can never understand is we get there on Thursday night to take BP, and we're going to hit 50, and there were all you remember my all the students parked there. Yeah, we'd be like trying to tell the security guy, like, "Hey, can you? Where are these people with their windshields?" And like, oh, If
3: right.
5: we would hit like five cars, and oh yeah, you know, it would be a, after everyone. You know, it, y'all were out there because they catch Mike and them because we're throwing BP and people. Hey, man, what's going on? Well, we're taking BP, yeah, we're and we right. told y'all that all these kids are parked or whatever they're doing in this parking lot. I don't think they're yeah. all the swim meet or whatever. <laughs> Cars are just getting hit. Like, it was out of a, I mean, we're, I hate to we were laughing. Like, see who could – if you hit Heck the same yeah. twice, you got points. I mean, <laughs> it, <Hell yeah. laughs> I mean, it just had to be and an awful night when they got back to their car.
0: And those and, were the days when Coach Tanner was trying to make you hit as many as you could in bp to scare the hell out of everybody before you, have
5: to, before oh, yeah. you have to play the game brand new balls <laughs> yeah. i mean it was yeah that was yeah. the whole thing for sure
0: uh we've got uh this year's teams probably gonna hit a bunch of those too uh, a bunch yeah. of power that's going to be in that lineup more than likely no matter who's in it but first they'll be on the field today uh beginning at three o'clock as they start the scrimmage and then beyond that it's the first pitch banquet coming up next week jc um
2: uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't mute my mic there for the first time. Yeah, the first uh, first pitch magnet with Merrifield's headlining it. Uh, over forty items up for auction. Um, it's uh, going to be at Seawells. It's on Saturday, February third at six p.m. Uh, out there near the stadium, Rosewood Drive. Uh, I don't like to say Rosewood Drive about Sea Wells because I don't. You kind of get off Rosewood, go straight across, and it, it becomes something else for me. But so anyways, it's near the stadium. Don't don't go up towards where Rockaways uh, apparently used to be. Um, You'll know, introduce to the 2024 Gamecock baseball team a buffet dinner, a chance to hear from Witt and also Coach Kingston uh, as they prepare for the upcoming season. Indiv- individual tickets are 80 bucks. Uh, VIP tickets for eight guests that include a Gamecock swag bag are going for $1,000. You can sponsor for two grand. Um, and it includes preferred seating for up to eight guests, two Gamecock swag bags, and inclusion in the event program. And proceeds directly support the Gamecock Baseball Enhancement Fund, and that's uh, that's you know that, that doesn't that's not an IL that goes uh, to other things that um, fund the baseball program. Which uh, which is good. People people got to keep in mind baseball is not as good as Carolina is just like in women's basketball those aren't revenue sports they lose they lose money so they need money uh, so this is a good uh, a good cause I know that John Whittle is going to be there and supporting it and I think uh, we have a, a membership to the and some t-shirts we're gonna put throw in the auction or whatever um, and so it should be a great event and of course uh, players parents uh, hit me up and reminded me uh, Laurie Becker Uh, Her son, Matt Becker, is going to be the starting lefty this year, I think, in the rotation. Uh, And just a good night with good people. I know if I were in Columbia that weekend, uh, I'm actually going to be getting ready to go to Vegas. But uh, uh, I would be there. Um, So certainly it's a a good, worthy cause, uh, especially if you are, like I know a lot of you are, uh, heavy, heavy supporters of this baseball program. So check out the first pitch dinner if you need a sign-up form. Uh, you can go to gamecocksonline.com and it's right yep. there, I think, on the baseball tab. Uh, I'll have Phil actually put the link in the chat box for you guys, too, uh, that are following along in that way.
0: Yeah, it's going be, gonna to be wonderful, uh, a celebration for uh, this year's group, which Coach Lake will spend the last few minutes here kind of – and we'll do this for the next few Fridays, too, and then obviously opening day coming up on February 16th against Miami of Ohio. But, um, yeah, it's uh, – <clears throat> Coach King just spent – some time earlier this week, talking about how it's kind of flip flopped—at least the narrative coming into the year compared to last year. Last year, it was all about arms, uh, and and we'll kind of see what happens on offense. Well, we we found out pretty quickly that team could, could swing it. Uh, we we were joking around with King maybe a month or two ago, and he was on the air with us. Like, what the hell are you thinking? You, you didn't start Petri the first two games? He said, well, I, that's not true. I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty smart guy. I saw him hit the first two games, and then I put him in the lineup, and it all worked out. So he defended himself. But, um, but yeah, we, we know offensively that they can swing it. And you, y'all have been, we've been collectively here talking about the last 25 years of this program. And that is as uh, is, is many great arms as have come through this program and gone on and played in the big leagues, and even those that haven't gone on to play in the big leagues, there have been excellent All-SEC, All-American, Bulldog, blue-collar style pitchers. But for whatever reason, Carolina baseball has always hung their hat on what we've just been talking about, big gorilla-type, hit-the-long-ball-type baseball. And, and that kind of re- came back, right, Coach, last year? I mean, balls were leaving the yard in a hurry, and, and it feels like for the first time in a while, and I mean this very respectfully to anybody and everybody that's put the uniform on, it feels like for the first time in a while, you're kind of back to those early 2000s-type years where you feel like you got 12, 13 guys, 14 guys who, remember the days where Coach Tanner was like, hey, um, it's time, you know, Trey or or you know whoever. Grind staff, get in there and hit a home run. Sounds good, Coach. I don't know that Coach Kingston's going to say something like that, but it feels like they've got a team that can kind of take you back to that type of place as well.
5: Yeah, and and I agree. You're going to have a lot of guys that are going to have experience hitting in the SEC and in a super regional last year. That's a big deal to have got to that level to have won a regional. Know how it feels now? You feel getting that super regional, but The key to, I'm obviously an offensive mind. I mean, that was all I ever did when I was an assistant. But you want to make sure, and this is where King and I said the other day, you want to make sure your pitching is not making you put pressure on yourself offensively. So that's why this pitching will be so important. But as a baseball person, you start up the middle, subtracting the pitching, you got a veteran catcher. I mean, you got an All-American in Messina. Again, I go back to Tippett. If Tippett turns out to be the guy that, they all kind of think he may, then you're working your way to center field. And Coach kind of had mentioned, you know, transfer Blake Johnson, whoever settles in that center field. I I just always believe Evan Stone's going to sometimes be out there too. If you can get strong up that middle, then it starts to really help your pitching as they kind of find themselves because that's going to be the key is I think today that uh, Kent was over here, he always comes by. I think we've got Eli Jones and Matthew Becker maybe pitching the first two innings a day or maybe, you know, pitch count or whatever. Those two guys are really going to get that momentum going if they can be your one-two. And then you get the Kimball and Eskew, and, you know, maybe it's even Ty Good. Who knows? They'll fill into those other starters. But they got a legit guy to run out of the bullpen, in my opinion, and Chris Beach. And that's a big deal. You name all those teams, I can also name the closers on all those really good teams. You know, we yeah, had yeah. The yeah. to grind cabbage the Blake Taylor. Then you bounce ahead and you start thinking about worlds. Those teams had closers. And they had closers that had tons of appearances. And they might come out and get six outs, not one out. So this team has a chance to have that type closer in a Chris Beach.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I spoke with somebody, uh, you know, in the program the other day too who mentioned Michael Polk, the transfer from Georgia and just how far he's come. It's going to probably take him a couple of weeks to really get up to speed. We'll begin to mention his name more and more as time goes, but you mentioned the closer role, you know, those teams also had guys who could come in and set it up. Um, and it's not like some of those days where matt price would come in in the sixth and then he'd just pitch until the ninth uh you know we're not really seeing that as much anymore you know everybody's kind of shortened themselves up a little bit so if they have to back in guys matthew Becker, i't just saying this because we saw you know Laurie in the in the chat box earlier matthew Becker's a, a guy that i'm excited to watch pitch coach uh, i've always enjoyed watching him pitch because he's he's got good stuff and he's a left-hander and things like that but he's got can I say this? He's got nuts. He's a guy who's got some nuts. He's got some kahunas about him, and that goes a long way in this league.
5: It goes. Uh, that's all this league's about. It's just constantly every game testing who can get back up. You know. Yeah, yeah you'll have the years where, you know, we're we one twenty-five one year, but most of them years you were fighting for that sixteenth, seventeenth win that you knew would put you in the tournament or put you, you know, an SEC tournament, put you in a regional, and it's every weekend you know i hear it coach said it start the other day bev said it about softball or coach staley said one day this past week it's hard to explain this league until you just feel the pressure of trying to win 15 to 16 games then and mike remembers the year we won in 2002 the whole sec we felt like we were lucky to kind of be there then we were none of us thought we were going to win that year we had a Mm sweep georgia and Somebody else had to get swept, and it all fell together, and Demetrius got the, the big yeah. hit. But you're just bat- – I mean, you're exhausted. We got on the bus a lot, and if we won, we did have fun for about 45 minutes. After that, you kind of fell asleep because yeah. you had been so locked in. So that's where you want to get these guys to kind of start doing that early. And the schedule, you got good opponents on but you got a schedule that could build momentum because if you looked ahead, which – We all do. You open the SEC at Ole Miss, and that is a tough place from my experience coaching there and playing there as a – you know, going on another uniform. you got to have confidence and momentum, and as you just said about Becker, you better take some of those out there because their fans are going to call you out on the mat game one.
0: Yeah, that schedule, once you get into the – it's not easy for anybody and when nah. you get into the SEC. And that's one of the things that I always try to caution people about, not that I know more than anybody, but, you know, just to re- uh, as, a, as a as a reminder, uh, Mike, this is the SEC. Everybody's good, and even when you're not good, everybody has a Friday night guy. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't matter what the record is of the team that you're going up against. Guess what? They've got a dude who's going to pitch on Friday night, and he's yeah. going to go probably pitch, pitch in the big leagues. And that's, that's why – that's why going 18 and 12 in this league is phenomenal. That's why getting to 500 is phenomenal. Everybody's got Friday night guys.
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, like JC brought up a good point we were talking college basketball weeks ago and it's like, you know, as good as this team is, they're going to lose games. Basketball is not an undefeated sport. Well, baseball is a is a sport where you're happy to win series. You're ecstatic to win a sweep in a league like the SCC. So even the bottom-barrel teams, to your point, if you, they're sprinkled all over the big leagues with guys, they, the pitchers that they had on Friday night. So I don't care who you are. You can have murderer's row. You can wind up putting a lot of goose eggs on the board as a lineup Friday night in the SEC. That's really the big separator, not to sound like SEC homer, because I've called games in other leagues. There's, there's great baseball out there in other places, but you sure. don't have the pitching depth in the ACC, in the Big Twelve, in the Pac, it's just not close to what you have in the Southeastern Conference.
5: And you don't have the intensity. Years ago at Ole Miss, we want we traveled to play UCLA, and it's when UCLA was becoming what they were. And there was like three hundred people. At the, our guys yeah. are like laughing, like you know, and they were still loaded with talent. They beat us a game while we're out there. But you go on the road in this league, and there's people waiting for BP. Yeah, you know, right. they're yelling at you. You were with us at your mic. They're sweeping the road up to the stadium at LSU because they're oh,
3: telling us we're going to
5: sweep you. And I mean, it's just an intensity that when you walk out of the hotel on the road, you were mentally drained when you walked back in. Yeah. Because right. it was about a six hour day and you were going to face, like you just said, guys. I'm sitting there with Walker yesterday with naming guys. We were talking about Jordan Montgomery. This contract is probably coming down the road for him and the numbers are. Incredible. And I threw a name up, and, and Christian said, You coach Lance Lynn? How long has he been in the league? Yeah. The guy was playing at Ole Miss in 06 and 07, you know, where his sophomore, junior year, and he's still in the big leagues. You coached he- him
1: and Pomeranz, right? Drew Pomeranz? Yeah, Drew yeah. Pomer-
5: Pomeranz was the first guy that ever started, was the first player I ever recruited to start talking about uh, diet and analytics and his dad. And we're all Ooh. sitting there being Dan McDonald going, What's he talking
1: about? He shut Is us it- down at the Sarge. I know that much. <laughs> That kid, yeah. you, you you couldn't touch him. He no. had nasty, nasty stuff. Lynn was just a you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna gear up and throw ninety eight at you. And good luck. Pomeranz had all kinds of stuff in his repertoire.
5: Well, they've heard this story, Mike. I don't know if I ever told you. Lance Lynn came on his official visit in an eighteen wheel Walmart truck. Yeah, that's no. a long that's distance like a truck driver. Oh, that's fantastic. And, yeah, dropped yes. him off and he rode back home. You know, with the uh, the other family who was pretty good. So, I mean, it was just crazy. That's what he was. He was a guy that we tried to run a six-minute mile after a break, and, you know, he ran like a nine-minute. And he told Coach Bianco, you know, if y'all need me to run like that, I need transfer. I mean, I came here to pitch. Right. And uh, the next time he ran, me and Dan had to stopwatch. He ran a five-minute, 59-second mile as far as Mike Bianco (laughs) ever knew, and we let him pitch for the rest of his career. It worked out well. Yeah, I
2: well. actually saw him pitch last year for the White Sox against the Red Sox. Wasn't his day, uh, and that was a bad situation on the south side last year, but uh, he still pitches good. I mean, he's still got stuff. I mean, here 18 years later or whatever. So, Well, um,
0: I, I, I remember um, when he pitched at the Sarge in 08, and Cisco got him. Cisco, Cisco was on that day. Mike was dealing. I'll, I'll give my, my, my brother some love here. Yeah. But they got the Lance early in that game. Yeah. Smokey and Witt and Darnell hit a grand slam that game, if you remember that. Um, and the Gamecocks, y'all remember that, I'm sure. And and the Gamecocks ended up with a little final score, six seven to two or something. But Mike, Mike shut them down that day, and I remember thinking, Man, this guy's gonna be a first round draft pick. Mike, you're gonna be rich. Um, you know, ended up working out for everybody. Mike owns heavenly honey baked ham now. So,
5: Mike, you know, do you remember the year when it, Ole Miss rolled in? And I think they scored eight or nine in an inning. Yes. early. And Coach Tanner called our guys up and said we've got to match that. Well, I don't think he. Re- we ended up scoring ten. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. One inning, and I later on I said to him, I said, "That was how in the world would you say let's match that?" He goes, well, "I wouldn't say it in one inning. I was saying let's pack away, right, let's match right, their intensity. I didn't yeah. know we were going to put ten up or nine up after whatever. Yeah. And that was we talked about that one the other day, like." Just the stories. You you weren't around
1: for the Tolleson Grand Slam and Hoover off the pole to win the game.
5: Yeah, yeah, I was around. I was sitting in the other dugout. Oh, that's that's right. right. That's (laughs) what I (laughs) did. My bad. Stephen Head had never blown a save. That's right. He was hit a home run. Runs to the bullpen because if we took the lead, runs back in. I'm telling the story in the dugout. I went to. (laughs) <laughs> Stephen Tollison's senior year to be whatever the job, you know, when you bring people in a job fair. Coach Tanner right. sent me in uniform to job fair for Stephen Tollison. <laughs> so he's standing at the plate, and I'm thinking, that just hit the pole. Yeah. That's a fair ball. Grand Slam. And, uh, yeah, and we're two and out. And that we was 04, right? You won the tournament, right? Game Cox in 04.
1: Yeah, uh, only SEC tournament championship. You yeah. win the first two games. And then oh. you have a day off in Hoover. So me, Toman and Monty Lee, we'd yeah. never been in this situation before. We've got a Friday off in Hoover. What the hell are we going to do? So we stay go at that the old, the, the Galleria mall hotel, the yeah. Winfrey, which is now something else. And Toman, you know, storms like, i tell you what we need to do. We need to go see, uh, that, that new movie, uh, the gladiator movie. Guy. What was it called? Uh, Thor. I think it was Thor came new out Thor. in Oh yeah. four. Um, and so we're ready to go see a movie, the three of us together. And there's a hill. We, di- we didn't have a rental car. Uh, there was a hill from the uh, hotel to-, to walk down to get to the movie theater across the street. And here's Storm, about a pizza shy of 320. He loses his footing. And he starts rolling down the hill like something out of a cartoon. But then as he's rolling down the hill and we're all like worried about him, like he, he's got a lot of momentum here. He might roll all the way into the street. He pops up like the athlete that he was back in the day as a catcher at NC State. Pops up, dusts himself off, and he goes, Hey, guys, how'd you like that move? And I was like,
5: <laughs> And then went on to eat the biggest popcorn with <laughs> the, butter they had. Oh, oh my God. Uh, yeah, no. He, he he
1: dominated the concession stand. Yeah. But we saw Thor on the day off. Then got back to business Saturday, won again. Back to business Sunday, I think beat Vandy in the championship game. So yeah, of all the uh, the rings that uh, I still have, one of them says SEC tournament uh, champions. Yeah, might want to hold
0: on to that one. It's hard yeah. to even win a game in Hoover anymore. Oh, uh, it's almost uh, impossible.
1: It's yeah. it's almost uh, it's almost impossible. But and for whatever reason, that event has been like kryptonite for Carolina for most years, but not that team. That old four team, Stu. I would maintain – that 0 was as talented as anybody.
5: Yeah. Oh, I remember – I can't remember. Maybe we came here to Columbia and played, and I, I forget the years now because I was at Ole Miss at times. But And we went on at Ole Miss to make the championship game and win the SEC tournament like the next year or two. Mm-hmm. That became like a part of our goals. And I'm, as a Gamecock, sitting there going, we're going to make winning the SEC tournament a goal? I mean, we had hardly ever won many games – yeah. you know so but it became one but it was fun but coach we'll let you run on that note
0: we've got to we have to pay some bills around here but uh yeah. we'll we'll get much more into this team as we get some more information out of scrimmages yeah. and stuff like yeah. that over the over the coming weeks I know this we're all very excited to see them play and I'm sure I'm glad that you mentioned that it'd be uh it'd be wise for those of you planning to attend opening day to get in there early as yeah. uh, this is gonna be a special year remembering yeah. Maybe the greatest Gamecock ever, Tommy Moody, no,
5: no doubt. And I'll have more information for you. And I got a power lunch, as I said, at my favorite lunch spot at D's Wings. So I'm going to be hustling yeah. out of here now and see if my date shows up. Uh,
1: I'll I'll Let's see get... you there. Hot yeah. hot wings, uh, buffalo chips, semi floppy with the with the malt vinegar on top. God. Yeah.
2: Blessed man, yeah. I'm you placing missed. your order for How you. Did you yeah. Why did You'll you be, bring up the chips, Mike?
0: But hold on now, y'all do mean uh proud partners of uh inside the game, the show, proud dude. sponsor, yeah, they're,
1: they're. uh, sponsors, Billy Rents now. and his crew, proud sponsor yeah. of uh of the inside the game, hey. show. We've got some really good food sponsors on this show.
0: Hey, Coach Lake, will you uh, you mind snapping a photo of Mike while he's chewing with the saucer so we can put that into our spot? <laughs> it so it doesn't we'll happen.
5: It's incredible. It never he's as perfect as you see him now eating wings. I've, I've just eaten just wings with happened.
0: Mike. It's same. You know,
5: I have a mountain a of
2: napkins beside me when yeah. I'm eating wings with Mike because yeah. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to have the dirtiness. You know, and I have a mountain yeah. of paper towels that are, are tinted orange. Yeah. Mike's got a little tiny napkin just sitting there eating. I mean, he he's a champion. Yeah. Wing, I can't champion. figure
5: it out, but it's. Maybe Tom taught him a trick back in the day I'm thinking. he did
1: you know back in Tom's day you had to you had to ration off parts of food there's always yeah. a depression right around the corner and you'd be very meticulous with your eating habits
5: I remember that I learned that too so y'all I enjoyed it <laughs> yeah and sorry I we kept it for
0: an hour and 15 minutes
5: <laughs> yeah that's fun that's fun that's right. I enjoyed it and I'll I look see you still you guys next week yep. can't wait thanks, man. thanks Thank coach. you Oh, yeah. hey,
0: brother. There you go. Coach Lake uh, joining us from uh, Columbia where he is uh, all set to go in the annual Morgan Lake wing-eating competition.
2: Um, chop that chop that interview up and make a series out of it, like Memories of K-Kai that's Baseball. Right. It was an hour and 34 minutes, guys. So and like the thing is,
1: hours. we didn't even – JC, we didn't even scratch the surface. So like there's so minutes. many – Yeah, it just flies. There's so many things. And, you know, I can't remember where I put my car keys, uh, but I can remember things that happened 20 years ago if I was behind the microphone and it meant something to me, which all those moments meant a lot to me. So uh, it's amazing the recall you have on those things when you're so invested and passionate about it. So when we get together, which we're about to do, uh, that's our, that's our conversation. It's like, okay, how are the wives? How's this? All right. You remember that time in 07? I mean, that's just where it goes every time. And I love it. I love every moment of it. Such a, such a great, uh, chapter in, in my life. And I know coach feels the same way.
0: Yeah, those were, um, some of the, uh, greatest years in the history of Carolina athletics and the most fun. And, uh, and you're right. It was really the people that made that era. So much fun. Coach Tanner has said that time and time again. It was just a bunch of great people. But uh, he was the leader of those people, and that's probably has something to do with it. All he right, instilled um, a
1: culture that was unmatched. And that's, absolutely. that's part of coaching. If you're building a program, you instill a culture. He was no nonsense, but he was fair. He had a tolerance uh, for, for hardworking, great young men. He had no tolerance for knuckleheads. Uh, and that's the, way he, that's the way he ran things, and it worked pretty well.
0: Well, the – from generation to generation to generation, I don't know there's a – and I mean this, this isn't just – Mike, you've been around every college baseball program in our area and beyond. I don't know, maybe LSU, but I don't know about any other program that has continuously connected all the generations like this one has. Mm-hmm. I mean, Whitmerfield and – you know, somebody in 30 years are going to have a connection just like Whit Merrifield and somebody from the 70s, and that is literally all because of Coach Tanner and how he always kept the coaches from before him, like Coach Richardson and Coach Rains. You know, in in involved, Coach Holbrook is still involved. You know, C- Coach Kingston will always be involved. That's just the way it is at South Carolina, and um, and it's fair to the players, and that's what makes it so unique. So.
8: Glad we did that. Glad we did that. All
0: right. um, We do need to talk some basketball, Mike. When we come back, you're going to call the game tomorrow between the Gamecocks and Missouri. We'll dive deep into that here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndoke Co.
1: Mike here for one of the better dining options in the capital city. You know, when I first moved there, I asked people around the radio station, where are the best wings? Well, the consensus was D's wings. That was then. Today, they still have the best wings, but it's so much more. Now in their new location at 415 Meeting Street in West Columbia. Yeah, they get voted the best wings on a routine basis. Yes, they get voted the best sports bar on a routine basis, but they're not just about wings, and really, they're not just a sports bar. It is a family-run local restaurant and bar with 20 TVs and 25 beers on tap. And how about these daily specials? Every Monday night at D's, you've got 75-cent wings from four until closing. Tacos on Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, 18 wings and a pitcher of beer for $29. bucks. you have also got ribs and oyster bucket specials on Thursday. And no matter how big the party is, 20 or more, no problem. Just call ahead of time, and they'll take terrific care of you. They'll do takeout as well. And guess what? A human will answer the phone and take the order. Billy and his staff do an outstanding job. Check out D's. 415 Meeting Street in West
0: Columbia. It's 2024 and it's time to get in shape. Charleston Fitness Equipment can help you do just that in Mount Pleasant. The Wilkins family, big Gamecock fans and proud supporters of Carolina Rise and our programming on the Chief Sports Network. But most importantly, proud supporters of you, getting healthy and staying healthy. CharlestonFitnessEquipment.com. Find them on the Chief Sports app and in Mount Pleasant. Happy New Year.
1: Sandwiches every time 803-543-6297
0: 803-543-6297 rescues and resin proud supporters of carolina rise they are also proud partners of the show they make products you can't get anywhere else custom designed wood and resin products that make your tailgate make your home or make anything stand out Order a custom cutting board, coasters, wall art, tables, and more. Contact Dustin and Tabitha at rescuesandresin.com today. rescuesandresin.com and put your imagination to work. Rescues and
3: Resin, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show.
7: So the Yeah, oh, to
0: to be, mirror, yeah. All right, 12:42. Gamecock Traditions has got your QZip. Remember, it's uh, hashtag QZip season. Season S Z, and that's the new thing. I don't know, but. Uh, if you go to Gamecock Traditions in uh, Lexington or up there at the Village at Sandhill, you can get the undefeated black Q-Zip that Coach Paris wears on game day. Uh, he's kind of opened up a can for himself now because he showed it to the world the other day. And he said it was undefeated, and if he walks out there in a different one, and he gets beat. You know where this is going. So everybody help him out and get to Gamecock Traditions. Make sure you get the right Q-Zip and get into the gym tomorrow where there are not going to be many tickets left once again. As Mike Morgan always says, give them a product, they'll show up, and they are the Gamecocks. Isn't uh, that funny? Out the yeah. other night against the Wildcats when they thumped them, and they're going to look to do the same against the Missouri Tigers tomorrow. There's a small, teeny, tiny chance that this could happen, but I'm going to lay this scenario for everybody just so you're aware of where things are with Carolina walking into the contest at 4-2. If Alabama is beat at home by LSU tomorrow night, On ESPN, if Tennessee, very unlikely, gets beat on the road at Vanderbilt, which won't be a road game for them. It will be packed with uh, orange-clad Tennessee fans. And if Auburn gets upset in Starkville and Carolina wins, Gamecoach could be tied record-wise at the top of the SEC. That's something we'll worry about maybe another day. The fact of the matter is Carolina needs to win, and Mike, when you walk into games like this sometimes after you just got finished playing a game like they did, beating Kentucky's rear end, head-to-toe, minute-to-minute, top-to-bottom, you can explain however you want, these are sometimes called, quote, what, trap games, but I'm not so sure that This is because I feel like the leadership of this basketball team, they've been around a while, led by Talon Cooper. They've seen this script before, Mike. So I'm anxious to see what it looks like when they roll it out there and tip it off tomorrow.
1: I I think both are right. I think it is a trap game, and Missouri is going to start beating some people, I promise you. They are not going 0-18. They've got enough where they're going to sting some people, and they're going to ruin some people's day and you try to make sure it's not yours. And it's a revenge game, which always – it's very hard to beat a team twice in this league. But your point is also accurate in that this is a mature team with great leadership that is better equipped to avoid such a pitfall. So all those things um, are right. Um, and and I think that the Carolina will be on top of its game. Uh, hopefully, you said you were going to mention the um, – the crowd situation, I, I hope it's a, another good one uh, for TV purposes, among other things. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I can tell you this, little sneak preview of what we're going to talk about, because I told our producer, I said, I want something on a graphic on the biggest arenas in the SEC. And I'm pretty sure they would be Kentucky, Tennessee, Arkansas, Carolina, and Missouri. And, and where Carolina ranks in that regard, <coughs> excuse me, because, as I've said for years, uh, the the whole notion that the problem is the arena, that that's just an excuse for other. I mean, I, I've heard every, again, uh, that we need a billboard campaign. Ray Tanner doesn't care about basketball. It's nonsense that has been spewed by people with agendas and either that or don't know what they're talking about. Um, none of those things are true. There's been a ton of things done to promote Gamecock basketball, and uh, the arena's not too big. When you're good, I mean, there's just very few teams in the country that can pack 18,000 the way Carolina did on Tuesday night against Kentucky. That's a major advantage. That's a recruiting advantage. With all due respect to the smaller arenas, 9, 10, 11,000, it ain't 18. And they don't get as loud. And I've said a number of times, as someone who's called games there on radio and TV, uh, when the fans are engaged and they pack it and the team's playing well, it gets as loud as any building that I'm in, Period. I remember in 09 calling the win against Kentucky. At one point, uh, you know, sandstorms rocking and the fans are going crazy. And I just stood up, and I don't do this often, and I took my headsets off. And I looked around, and I just listened, and I was like, man, this is unreal. This is really cool. This is what it can be like. Uh, So uh, there's there's nothing wrong with the arena. I know there's been some talk about building a, a, a new arena, a smaller arena. That's fine. I mean, you can always update stuff, but... Uh, when this team is good, you're in a you're in a metropolitan city that has what over 800,000 people. South Carolina is one of the fastest growing states in the country. You can do things that Auburn, Alabama can't. You can do things that Ole Miss can't. You can draw fans within 15 miles and pack it. And when they're decent and good, more often than not, that arena is pretty full and awfully loud. So uh, I think that was on full display. On Tuesday, and hopefully it'll be on full display on Saturday as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, the CLA is not perfect as far as what it would, as far as Carolina basketball goes. The problem is, and you pointed this out before, Mike, one NCAA tournament in 19 years. Uh, and yep. it happened, you know, because it used to be in the 90s. Carolina football was kind of bad. They were really bad in the 90s and up and down in the 80s. And there wasn't a lot of tradition there. You're only 15 years removed from McGuire. Carolina did pretty well in the Metro Conference. I mean, the, the Frank McGuire Arena had nine to ten thousand in the stands. People still still kind of attach themselves as as being a, like an ACC basketball school, for lack of a better term. Um, as time moved on, though, and you went through like mismanagement after mismanagement, unfortunate situation after unfortunate situation, they built this arena because Eddie Fogler had the program at the top of the SEC in the nineties. And they thought they were going back to powerhouse status. And they you couldn't get a ticket at Frank McGuire Arena. So they were going to build the next Bud Walton. You know? Because that's, right. that's what kind of expectations they had. Well, then the, game, the recruiting changed. Fogler left. He didn't get along with McGee. They ended up hiring Odom. That drained the life out of it a little bit. And Horn even more than the first few years of Frank. And then Frank didn't get back to the tournament after one magical moment or month. It, it, and meanwhile, Hey, football had its best period ever under Steve Spurrier, right? They, they just upset two top 10 teams last year. Baseballs won national championships. Dawn's winning national championships with the women. And, and so there's this whole generation of GameCop fans where this program is absolutely stunk <laughs> most years. And, and so there's don't show now. I, I think, uh, I think Tuesday night, it, you're exactly right. Is You know, you can get there. Um, uh, you know, I, I think little things like do they need to maybe flip like the side of the arena where you sh- that shows up on most broadcasts? Yes, because to some of these games that don't sell out, there's a lot of empty seats in the lower deck and it looks like it's empty, but there's what people don't tell you is there's students right behind on the other side. Um, and my, my, the latest intel I got on this, there was kind of discussion of building a smaller arena for a while. That was a thing for about three months. I probably had private discussions with both of y'all about it, but our three of y'all, but, um, I, but last I heard, and I heard this from a really good contact, uh, that was kind of off the table. What they're going to do is probably and, and, and see the CLA is twenty years old. Okay, so it's it's, it's, it's not a young arena. Um, is they're probably going to just redo it, um, put more premium seating areas in it, so the the actual number of tickets will probably go down. They'll still see it see you know people. I, I'm talking like vistas where people can sit at tables and watch the game. the, the modern stuff. Uh, And I think that's a great idea because when you talk about developing around the arena, that it's right on the edge of the vista, and that there's land back there to develop more stuff and really make it a cool spot. So uh, I've kind of changed my opinion on that. I was all for Mr. I was Mr. Nine Thousand Seat Arena for a while, but I think if you dump some money into the CLA, uh, because it it is a twenty-two year old building, but doesn't look that old. You know, it looks still really nice. Uh, I think you could have something, and if this program continues to win, you could really have a home court advantage. Right?
1: What I could see happening before having to build a whole new arena is to do what Tennessee has done and what other uh, schools have done: less seats, more suites, because that's where the money is. Now, CLA already has a lot of suites. You know, it was yeah. designed not just for basketball but for concerts, right. for shows. You know, that was part of the reason how Mike McGee got the money to get to get that thing built um but you could go from 18 to 15 and and do more suites and spruce it up I mean I could see that as a possibility but I mean there's overall uh, there's really not much wrong with the arena it's like everything else you you could just spruce it up a bit uh but yeah you could take a few thousand seats out I wouldn't have a problem with that but the whole notion that you need a a 9,000 seat arena you got 18,000 people that want to go to some of these games you're going to just say sorry we're we're half of you are going to sit at home because we, can't, we don't have enough seating for it. You're an SEC school in a state capital of over 800,000 people. You need a bigger arena. I and, and mean, then the Coliseum, for those that um, wax nostalgia about that, and I was in that arena several times too, I mean, that was falling apart. So you, you had to do something. Um, and, you know, 18 was not the ideal number, but that's, they, they based it on what they had in Fayetteville. If you've ever been to Bud Walton, you would think you were in the CLA. You would think you were sitting right in the CLA. Obviously, it's worked pretty well for Arkansas. I don't know if I, I mean I'll be in Arkansas in a few weeks. Do they complain about too many seats at Arkansas?
0: Well, I was just about to no, say they, not to interrupt because, they, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm. This isn't directed at either one of you. I'm so tired of talking about this. <laughs> Everybody, just shut the freak up. Like, it, I don't give a shit. Damn, all the words. Like. Who cares?
1: Five plus, Jamie. Five plus.
0: Like, like guys, like. Get the jar
1: out. Me. Quit
0: b-wording <laughs> about the freaking arena. Like, I don't care. You know, like I don't care if there's some things that need to. Like, why this this freaking basketball team, sixteen and three, and we're having a conversation about the arena size? For God's sakes, you know what I mean? What, like what, people I, that people that get on message boards and stuff like this, they, they don't have a life. They don't go to the freaking games my, anyways. My Who thing cares about what they it. Say? And, and they built a, this arena, like Mike said, for Kenny Chesney to walk in there and play, and play as well. That's, like people, there's, people there's a whole that. economical side to this. That's called business. It's that's been
2: overwhelmingly that. positive for like, Columbia. Like, Columbia used to not draw oh, all God, those types wait, of action. I try not right? stand
0: crazy this crazy good. This this team, the sure. we've been talking
3: yeah, about and this
0: team. And sucking the for every year and they're 16 and three and there's people that okay guys let's have the conversation about the arena now no uh, dork go back I, to your hole and shut up like, i think let's if they talk, continue
7: let's talk to, about the team
2: i think if they continue to win there's going to be the opportunity and the financial wherewithal because the, the arena aside and, they, and nobody they a, can they, time
0: out me, by the way. This is my show. So. They put money into the I'm Coliseum. And,
2: and they've made the Coliseum <laughs> serviceable as a practice. But, man, you've got a national champion. If, if Lamont starts winning consistently and you've got a national championship level women's program, you can't keep them at Carolina Coliseum. You, you've got to build them at Taj Mahal like football has, a big ops building with practice courts. And Clemson's got one. It's just in the basement of Little John.
0: It's well, very they're nice. they're uh, they're building a practice facility. Just like oh, so yeah, knows. I it's know coming. exactly. I know where it's yeah. going to go
2: too. Yeah, it's um, it's
0: coming and it's going to be unbelievable. And maybe they need to do some things to the CLA. I, I don't know, but they're building like Mike said,
2: More premium seating is they haven't. They have enough suites. There, they have they have suites there now, but uh, those. To my understanding, is those things actually I'm sell with, out I'm pretty you, quick. Day.
0: Yeah, like 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 why 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 does this always come up like? They're about to play Missouri this weekend, and it they gotta go on does. the road twice for Tennessee and Georgia. And like, it's it's not fair to these players, you know. It, like, it's it's not fair to the kids. Like, Jamie, it's been a,
1: it's been a twenty year old talking point that some people do not want to let go
0: of. I, and I, I know that I don't yeah. understand it. Like, I don't care. I I just it's it
9: like and, I don't care.
1: Again, I go to every arena in this league, uh, and I can tell you, point blank, firsthand. When Carolina packs it, and when Carolina's good, they typically pack it. That or, that environment is as good as any in the Southeastern Conference. So let me repeat that. When Carolina's good, they Thank typically you. pack the CLA. And when they pack the CLA, it is as good and as loud as any environment in the SEC.
0: I, I'm so glad you said that. Because I was about to ask you, my question was going to be, this is the only question I have. And then I want to spend the last two minutes, Mike, talking about you know the actual games. I know you got to get out of here. You got to get to D's. I got to get to D's. To, you don't you Coach don't make you don't you don't make Coach late wait to no, eat his wings now. I don't want to see him um, when he's angry. When you go to all these other, you've been to every gym in the arena. You know every fan base out there. How many of them when you walk in, they're like, I tell you what, man, sure is nice to see these people, but. I think this arena is just too big. We need a new one. Right, right. Yeah, yeah it, it doesn't happen anywhere else. Like no. I know Bama wants a new arena, but that's because they're where Carolina was when Frank McGuire was falling. Well, they apart. need a
1: new arena. That's a yeah, different.
0: Like, that's a know, different story. They it's got a, a Pinto compared
1: to a Mercedes when you're talking about, or uh, keep it uh, Chevy Blazer is what Columbia has, and uh, from Love Chevy of course, and and Bama and, and Coleman bless its heart to use a Southern expression. Uh, it means well, but but they're gonna they're gonna get a new one there. There's too much money in Alabama not to, and Nate Oaks has done too good of a job not to. But yeah, no, your point's well taken. Um, but again, when you to go back to JC, one tournament, in 19 years. When that happens, you start grasping for what's wrong with this, what's wrong with that, and I understand right. that. I, I I completely understand that because it's yeah. a fan base that does give a crap about basketball and they want to have answers as to why they're watching all these other programs that are not traditionally good in basketball, like in Auburn, Uh, and and how how do they go and do what they do, and how come this program has just been spinning its wheels for the better part of 19 years. But I I think you've got a a damn good part of the solution in Lamont Paris. Uh, It's okay to eat crow if you wanted to criticize the hire a year ago, and many people did. Uh, He's doing a fantastic job And uh, what I think, too, is that he's not building this for a a one-off. He's building a program that will have sustained success, and that's what you want. I mean, you want to go to the tournament not once out of 19 years, not once out of 10 years. You'd like to see it, like, you know, maybe two out of every five. That's not too much to ask. You're an SEC program with SEC resources. Two out of five. I I think the fans here would take that.
2: Mike, how important is like for South Carolina? Because you see every program.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: How important is it for South Carolina in in men's basketball to have a unique identity? How, how much? I, it, I mean, because yeah. a lot of these teams play the same. You know, right? that's right. obviously a little different.
1: Yeah, um, no, it's a great point. Uh, here, here's the thing: like, you're not going to out recruit the Kentuckys of the world, and, and so what a lot of coaches have done, like Darren did this when he came and yeah, we're going to run a fun type of style of play, and we're going to go back and forth. And really what it turned out was like watching the YMCA and the A-court um, except without the arguing every other point um, and just playing kind of garbage, no-discipline pickup ball, which is what you saw for a couple of years under Horn. What Lamont has said, and again, I'm a, I'm a junkie of three sports, football, basketball, baseball, so I, I don't need a tutorial on what Bo Ryan in Wisconsin did. I watched it. And I know that's when I watch Lamont's teams at Carolina, I feel like I'm in a time warp and I'm watching Wisconsin under Bo Ryan because that's where he got, that's his, that's his mentor. And the reason that works is that defense and handling the basketball travels, doesn't slump like offense does. So if you're not going to get the elite scorers every year and Carolina doesn't do that and most programs don't do that then you can win – there's an other path. There's a different path to success. Every night they lock down defensively, and every night they take care of the basketball. Are there exceptions? Sure, you're going to have a mulligan here and there during a 30-game slate. But that's what they've put – that's their identity, J.C. And I think it's an identity that they can work with for a long time and be successful with as opposed to like, oh, yeah, well, we're running gun here. Uh, Kentucky scores ninety a game. We're going to score ninety five. That's right. You heard me. No, I don't think that works here. I think it's the the formula is more what you see out of Lamont. Um, but it's also a fun system to play, and kids enjoy him. So I, I think that's a it's a unique combination that they've got going right now.
0: Yeah, I, and we got to leave it there, Mike. Cause we got Brad Muller yeah. on deck here, and we got to get to him. But I, I think uh, the brand of basketball that everybody really wants to see at South Carolina is what they're seeing right now: winning. A winning brand. It doesn't matter you know. what it looks like, whether it's defense, offense, or anything in between. When you win, people enjoy watching it. <laughs> so,
1: no, no doubt. Hey, you know. uh, two things before I go. Billy, thank you so much for the kind words. I do appreciate that. John, I'll talk about the whole Braves um, radio situation uh next time. But you, I, I knew this was coming. I mean, the fact that Powell didn't call any of the postseason during the World Series run. He's basically been a bench guy for the last five years. And I had a chance to work with Jim, called some games with Jim. But, uh, but Ben Ingram's a, a star, and and they got a really good one. And Ben, I'll leave it at that. But thank you, guys. I'm off the Ds. Appreciate it. Hope you guys tune in tomorrow, and uh, we'll see you back on Monday.
0: Mike will be on 1 o'clock SEC Network for the Gamecocks and the Tigers. Mike, thanks, man. Really appreciate, appreciate it. it, as always. Uh, the Golden Tones of the great Mike Morgan, it's presented by Ryan Brewer Fence and our friend Gary Patterson with State Farm Insurance. We'll continue the basketball talk because the stars of the show last night were the women, and Brad Muller called it, the voice of Dawn's ladies up next here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show.
7: Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie Vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Electric
0: Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Volatric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBytesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bites of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show.
7: Hey, Gamecock Nation, my name is Kyle, longtime listener of the show and avid golfer. I wanted to take my game to the next level, but let's face it, golf is a hard game to learn on your own. I heard the ad from McKellar Enterprises and reached out to the owner and former Gamecock golfer, Meredith Taylor. In just two months of working with Meredith, I shot my lowest round ever, and I've never felt more confident in my golf game. So if you're looking to take your game to the next level, go to McKellarEnterprises.org and book your lesson today with former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor. Go Gamecocks! One door opens while
3: another one Dad, please go today. Not today,
6: sweetie.
3: One heart's breaking while another one is mending. It's all in the ebb and flow. If I had to, I could go it alone. But because you've become my own. Shut it to the ground, these walls could fall right down. Because you've become my home, you don't have to tell Mama. Because you've become my home.
0: All right, it's the final hour. Inside the game, couch the show, part of the Chiefs Sports Network. I didn't get this in earlier, but uh, as we were talking about a lot of the Gamecock baseball stuff, uh, Coach Holbrook next week on uh, Chin Music will have Whitmer Field. And Jackie Bradley, those recordings will be released here in the coming weeks. So we're really, really excited about that. Really excited about this too. Brad Moeller has joined us for the first time ever, and it's a darn good time to get him because last night down in Baton Rouge, the Gamecocks walked into an electric atmosphere against the ninth-ranked LSU Tigers, and they got out of there six-point winners and remaining the only undefeated team in America. Brad, glad to have you, man. How you doing? And and what was it like last night? It looked incredible. I'm doing great. Appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, it was it
9: was a great atmosphere. A little tired today. Obviously, we got home late and had to be up early to take my son to school. But it was uh, it was a great atmosphere. LSU fans did a great job. You know, sold out the place, more than thirteen thousand strong there, and uh, uh, they were loud. They were in there early. The students, I think, were in there before uh, you know the rest of the fans were because when the, when our team came out. Uh, to, to warm up about an hour before the student section in the one end zone was already filled and you know they were loud booing and it was it was great it was it it felt like a uh, it was like a
0: final four atmosphere and it was pretty cool since it was a game just in January all right let's get this out of the way this was this we had somebody popped this in a couple hours ago in our chat box and now I I never really thought about it and now that I'm looking at it you and Mike Morgan should be brothers if you look just alike. Well, we, we worked together for a short time when he was when he was doing
9: radio here, and I uh, started with women's basketball back before the SEC Network. We did some of the uh, uh, pay-per-view football games uh, for Carolina together. We're uh, uh, we did that for for a couple of years before the network was launched. Yeah, yeah, those uh,
0: those were the CSS days, weren't they?
3: Yeah, a long time
0: ago. Yeah, man, it it seems like it. Yeah, so something really unique uh you don't see this much but it happened in this game last night all 10 starters uh finished in in double digits and uh but one of those starters didn't last till the end of the game and that was angel reese and and i go back to the beginning of our program today uh, she's clearly you know somebody that's very popular in in college basketball both men's and women's uh she's got a brand as we all well know brad carolina's got a little bit of a brand themselves we'll get to that here in a minute but um but uh, Mike Mike mentioned at the top of the show, you know, he thought that when when you saw her play in this game against the the ladies that South Carolina rolls out there, all these stars and all these players, it, it, she she's uh, as good as she is, just couldn't cup, couldn't keep up with them. and she had some silly fouls there late and it, you know the one where she got called for the foul and she got upset about it. She did kind of tug on the jersey and then the hack there at the end. What was your vantage point, courtside watching her match up? With South Carolina and and kind of how it all played out because she didn't even finish the game. Yeah, I mean she she's terrific. She's a
9: terrific player and you know very athletic and uh, you know can do things on both sides of the floor. And um, she's the kind of player where uh, you wish you wish you had a little bit of that on your team. No matter who you are, you hate her because she's even wearing the other uniform. But she's a tremendous talent. Now, uh, from our standpoint, you know I I thought the uh, um, the officials called it. Uh, pretty square. You know, the Gamecocks got off to a, uh, a tough start. In fact, the LSU didn't have their first foul called against them until a minute gone by in the second quarter. So they played 11 minutes, uh, the Tigers, without getting a foul called on them. And I was, I was a little bit worried about that early on. And then they started calling things a little bit closer after that. And obviously it added up. But that, you know, that's LSU is good as they are, and you know their starting five is basically an all-star team with what they've assembled a lot through the portal. Three of their starters have come from the portal either this year or last year, then a couple of homegrown uh, in terms of freshmen and a sophomore that they, they recruited. And they depend heavily on their starting five, and they're not going to go very deep. And so they're, they're going to play a lot more minutes. So there is more potential for someone like Angel Reese playing inside against bigs like that South Carolina have that she's, she's going to get into foul trouble if they're calling thing, if they're, you know, calling some of the touch fouls and uh, you know, South Carolina has the luxury of a little bit more depth. They regularly play eight, nine per game. And I think that works to their advantage where they can absorb some fouls, you know, early in the game yesterday, uh, Gamecocks went to their bench early with Ashlyn Watkins and Saniya Fagan in the paint to kind of mix it up in there with, with Reese and it got physical and both Watkins and Fagan both had two fouls in the first quarter but that was still a good thing because I mean that, that was that meant two of our starters didn't have two fouls but meanwhile Angel Reese was getting beat up a little bit and then maybe she commits a foul here and there because she's, she's just playing more minutes and having to play not just against Camilla Cardoso but she's having to play against Watkins or she's having to play against Fagan where those three combined are playing against her so I think that was the big thing is, is South Carolina has the ability to wear people like Angel Reese down a little bit. And that's tough. I mean, Angel Reese is one of the best in the country at, at her position, but when you're, when he, when she has to play as many minutes as she does, she's going to get into foul trouble with all those bigs just
0: slamming into each other. Like they were. Brad, I kind of, I go back and forth um, listening to, to your voice. I do this with Derek, of course, uh, on the men's side and, and trying to listen to what they're saying on TV from time to time too. And I, and I did catch Dawn's interview after the first quarter last, I think it was after the first quarter or maybe going into halftime. It was one or the other. And, um, and Holly Rowe asked her about Camila Cardoso and her response was, she's got to want it. Mm -hmm. What what do you, what were you seeing early in the game with her specifically and in the matchup with angel and, and how kind of LSU would move, move her around down there. She came out in the second half, of course, and, and she was locked in and ready to go. Yeah.
9: With Camilla, you know, the, the, the great thing about Camilla as a person is she is a tremendously nice, kind, sweet person. Sometimes that's not good in an intense basketball game uh, because she's a very unselfish person who sometimes, um, I always use the uh, comparison to Elena Coates, and I'm an All American here a few years ago, who was a more, and I mean this in the best possible way, a more violent player that, you know, would 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 run into you and wasn't worried if she got called for an offensive foul because she knew the next time she came down the floor, that person was backing up, didn't want to get, you know, run into again by, by Elena Coates. And and Camilla, sometimes she's a little too unselfish where she doesn't, she gets the ball, you know, in the low block and she'll pass it back out. I'm like, no, we get it to you. You got to shoot it, go up, get fouled, you know, if nothing else. And I think that's what you were seeing a little bit early on. They were they were guarding her with Angel Reese, but then as soon as she touched the ball, Haley Van Lith would come over, would slide in, and they were doubling a little bit. And she was, I think, just being a little too passive. But then sometimes when Camilla gets that little bit of fire in her and gets that uh, pep talk, we'll call it from from coach, then you know, then you see it, like you saw in the second half, like okay, go dominate, and that's what they want to see out of Camilla. She's the biggest one on the floor most most nights at six seven. They want her to dominate, keep the ball up, you know, keep the ball up here where they can't swat it away and and go dominate. Because when she gets just a little bit angry and she doesn't get angry very often. I mean, she's good on her own, but when she gets a little bit angry, yeah, she can be good. And we saw that in the second half where I think she had had enough. Um, You saw where she blocked a shot of Angel Reese and kind of gave her a look. And that's a lot of emotion uh, on the floor for camilla because she usually doesn't do that doesn't really show a lot of emotion doesn't talk much but when she blocked a shot from angel and kind of gave her the stare you know okay now <laughs> now she's fired up you whatever button needed to be pushed got pushed She yeah, let's
4: see that, that stare and that smirk you could just yep. see the fire it was just like you know and from what i saw brad and you know i mean you would know better than i for sure uh but it was like you could with them being tested like this in this kind of environment, I mean, this was like a tournament environment. Let's just put it like it was uh, that you could see this team like mature as the game started to go on and on and on. And they're just, and they finally there when it was gut check time, you know, halfway through this fourth quarter just were like, we got this, we're going to take this and, and walk away with the W.
9: You know, the neat thing, there were so many moments in this game, you know, when South Carolina got down 11 a few times in the first half and you're starting to wonder, are they going to get run out of the gym here? Because LSU was playing great. They really were. Um, But then when South Carolina started finding a rhythm, hitting a couple of, you know, buzzer beaters in the first half uh, to get back in it, even when they were trailing most of that game, I felt like they were still doing what they wanted to do. They were getting shots that they wanted. They just weren't hitting them. South Carolina, unlike previous years, wasn't a very good three-point shooting team. They're a good three-point shooting team this year. They lead the SEC in three-point shooting. They don't depend on it. You know, that's not their number one priority, but their their guards were getting good looks. They just weren't knocking them down like they normally do. There was, at one point in the game, South Carolina's three starting guards were combined one for ten from three-point range, and that just wasn't what they were all season long but they were getting good shots. You just felt like, you know what? Sooner or later, the numbers catch up to you, right? You know, you start off one for 10, if they're a 50% shooter, that means they're going to hit a whole bunch in a row, right? Because you usually shoot your average. And that came to be down the stretch. Those same players were getting looks again and they started knocking them down. They started catching up to their average, if you will. So I think South Carolina, the coaching staff did a good job of keeping everyone calm, even though it seemed like they weren't going to get over the hump that going, you know what? We're getting the shots we need are just not going in. So keep doing what you're doing. Play a little defense on the other end to give yourself a chance. And they just did those those little things and just eventually wore LSU down. And it, it was neat to see. There's
0: a, there's, a, there's a bunch of incredible talent on this team that clearly has been through the wars of the SEC and of the nation. And, you know, we're playing all the great teams in college basketball. One of them who is you, Phil just mentioned the word maturity. I I, I think that's The word we'd probably use for Chloe Kitsch right now. She's growing up between our eyes, you know, or or, or right in front of our eyes, right, Brad? And she seemed like just a kid. And then last night, early in that game, thank goodness for her because she was on it.
9: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I I joke around, I call her a freshman and a half because she came in last year, you know, after finishing high school early. She came in in January, was basically a high schooler last year. And what, what a difference between then and now. She's a player now, you know. She went yeah. from, you know, last one off the bench last year pretty much to she's a starter all year. And I think the neat thing was, was they weren't, lsu wasn't making her a priority they were worrying about camilla inside and maybe preventing pow pow from getting open looks and she's the best three-point shooter in the sec and th- they they weren't paying as much attention to chloe and chloe uh, whether she was told by coach or just took it upon herself realized you know what i'm, I'm gonna take morrow one-on-one and she kept driving to the rack and as, as you guys know chloe's not a big girl she's tall but She's, she's slender, and she was going up against much bigger, stronger bodies, but she played fearless, kept driving to the basket, got to the free throw line a couple of times, but kept South Carolina in the game with dr- driving layups to the basket and then went off script hitting her first three-pointer of the season uh, as well. So even though she didn't do a lot in the second half because they had to pay attention to her then, she did a great job of keeping South Carolina in the game and not being fearful Fearful driving in where there was two All-Americans inside with Morrow
0: and, uh, and Reese. I just got this in uh, from Diana, uh, seen South Carolina senior Camilla Cardoso earned a spot on the 2024 Lisa Leslie Award top ten. The Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame and the Women's Basketball Coaches Association announced it. Uh, this is the seventh season of the award. It goes to the top center in NCAA college basketball and has been won. Five times, of course, by a Gamecock. I think we can probably all figure out who those ladies are. <laughs> Camilla is trying to be uh, another one here, and if she keeps playing this way, she might be. Um, so, bit, kind of a big picture here. I want—I'll start from the inside and work our way out uh, to, with the with what's coming down the pike and stuff. But I mean, Brad, you're as close to the program as is anybody who's actually not coaching it or playing in it. Um, Describe this group for us. This group of young ladies, they, they clearly have leadership. Uh, there's always leadership on a Don Staley coach team. There better be. Yeah. Um, but uh, describe this group for us and what makes them so great because they're undefeated. Yeah, I think confidence is the big thing. You know, I, I don't think anyone really
9: knew, it. even Coach Staley, I don't think she fully knew before the season started what she had. She knew she had good players, but wasn't sure how long it was going to take for this team to mature and play well together. Cause you know, let's face it, you you graduate all five starters and seven players overall from a, of a team that went to the final four every year. And, you know, most of them were four year starters and you replace it with a group of, uh, of kids that had been coming off the bench playing limited minutes. I don't think anybody expected them to be as good as they were so early, but this team had a certain uh, level of confidence uh you know and there was areas they, they could certainly grow in terms of maturity and handling things and um you know that leadership that that they were looking for early on but uh i think the the biggest thing with this team is th- there's this confidence you know you, you sometimes you, you you hear that with freshmen freshmen don't know what they don't know and um i think some of this team even some of the older players they don't know what they don't know they don't nobody they don't know that they're not supposed to be this good, you know? I mean, they're, they're all good players. Gamecocks have, you know, a ton of McDonald's all Americans on their roster, but you know, again, I don't think anybody expected that this team was going to do what it's done to this point in the season and, and how quickly they came together, starting with that game against Notre Dame uh, in France, where they, they, you know, they ran the, a good, you know, top 10 Irish team out of the gym. Um, and I think this team just has a lot of confidence in, in itself. And they, they certainly have fun playing together. And the other part of the confidence is the unselfishness, and you can see that because every, almost every game, it's rare that you see somebody score 20 points for this team, okay? You know, it happened last week, Malaysia Wiley had 21 points in the game last week against AM. but for the most part, you're going to see five, six, or even seven players anywhere between nine and 14 points a game, and that was the way it was last night. Gamecocks had five and double figures, but the, the most anyone had for Carolina was 14, and that's the way it's been all season long. They – they like passing to to their teammates and, and setting them up. And that's rare that these days where you can have a group that big be that unselfish because usually there's always one and one can spoil it for everybody. Is that a, is that a Dawn thing? Could you, yeah, you know, could you I, I think dead part dead? of it is the way she recruits um, and it's, getting them to buy in because all these kids were stars in high school. Like you said, there's what nine or 10 McDonald's high school Americans on this roster. They were all stars. Uh, they were all heavily recruited. And you know, the the neat thing about this team is you've got some of the older kids, you know, people that are juniors that didn't play much at all their first two years. And in a lot of other programs, they would have been gone. They would have transferred say, you know, I'm a McDonald's high school American. I'm not playing because I got all these other good players in front of me. I'm going somewhere where I can play well, you know, right. people like Saniya Fagan and Breezy Hall, they stuck it out. Now with juniors, they're playing Breezy's a starter now. Uh, Fagan comes off the bench, but is, is a significant contributor off the bench. The, the fact that they buy in, uh, as coach likes to say, trust the process, you know, now is their time and they're making the most of it. But you don't see that a lot these days.
0: And they, they own every moment they're in. I think that's what what is really unique about this. You saw that multiple times last night. We've got to have this here, and they got it. I mean, you men- mentioned Breezy Hall. Those two shots at the <laughs> – yeah. those two threes that went in, it's cold-blooded, man, you know.
9: Yeah, and boy, you know, what
0: a difference she's
9: been. You know, her first couple of years, she was basically a defensive replacement coming off the bench. She kind of would fill in for Bree Beal the last – her first couple of years. And, um, you know, obviously she – you know, she's another one, was a was a high school All-American, so you knew there was some talent there, but this year she she made a huge jump, Um and, you know, just having confidence in herself, even sometimes when shots aren't falling, she's a shooter. She makes, you know, when, when you get a practice shot, you know, when you're wide open, knock it down, take it. And uh just just that confidence to keep shooting, even if they're not falling down at one point in the game, Uh, you know, the, the ability to take your game to that level and to have confidence that, all right, the next one's going in is huge.
2: Brad, how loud was that arena last night? It was, it was Compared loud. Compared to and other places great. you've been, yeah.
9: It, it, you know, it was one of the louder places other than Colonial Life because, you know, South Carolina's place, because they're regularly putting 15 to 18,000 in there is, to me, the la- the loudest I've ever been in is, is Colonial Life Arena at a bunch of different times. Uh, when they beat the first time they beat UConn a few years back uh, after Ashlyn Watkins dunk a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, that's as loud as you've heard it. But that was up there in terms of road places I've been that was not a Final Four because uh, the PMAC holds about uh, 13,000. There wasn't an empty seat. They were there early. I think they let the students in early because of college game day being there. You know, so our team coming out for uh, the warmups an hour before tip off the student section in that one end zone was entirely full. And, you know, the booze just coming all the way. And when the, when LSU got up by 11 in the first half. Yeah, it, it was loud. You know, loud when you're you have to turn your crowd mic off because there's enough sound coming through your headset. that You can't even hear yourself. Uh it was crazy and, but it was good. It, it was a great atmosphere. It's probably, uh, you know, that, and maybe a few years ago when we played, uh, on campus at UConn, back when Brianna Stewart was playing for them. Um, cause sometimes we play in Hartford when we go up to UConn every other year. Uh, yeah, that, that was one of the louder places uh, we have been, certainly the louder, the loudest they've been in this year. Uh, you know, the closest other to this year is when, they played up at uh, North Carolina, they filled up Carmichael, which is only about a 7,000 feet or set 7,000 seat arena. And then actually when we played Utah up in Connecticut, uh, a yeah. little mini tournament single game up there at the, at the, uh, in the Mohegan sun, it was a lot of Yukon fans there. Cause they were playing after us that were, you know, didn't want us to win because they're tired of us. Um, and, you know, it was pretty loud there, but uh, yeah, this was the loudest yeah. that, a uh, road game we've been at in uh, in a few years for sure. Uh, I, I watched all LSU basketball through the years, men, men included, and it's like it uh,
2: on TV. It's allowed or tape, videotape, obviously not in person. It's the loudest I've ever heard an LSU basketball game. Like football, we obviously know that gets really loud. <laughs> uh, baseball at the box gets loud down there but uh the PMAC the Maravich Assembly Center uh Mike Morgan kind of backed this So he says it's not the loudest arena in the league normally but boy they got it was they got after it uh, kudos it sounded loud and, yeah, and that yeah. says that says a lot about this Kent Carolina program is that when you invoke that type of emotion uh when you go to somebody else's building I think that's when you know you've sort of Sort of arrived. I mean, yeah, they, it, they arrived a long time ago, but it, yeah, just it happened it, it, in Columbia, it's, Kentucky. It's been that in. way. Yeah, it's Thank been God. that way,
9: you know, since the Asia, Asia Wilson era, basically, yeah. of where everywhere we go, uh, there's crowds, not just our fans, you know, traveling the road, but there's that interest fast factor that you used to see, you know, with Tennessee, um, you know, that people right. want to come see what it's all about. They either want to cheer for us or against us, but they want to be there. Uh, but then also you have the double whammy with LSU being the defending national champs. And when you win, Heck yeah! People are going to fill up your arena, and when we're when South Carolina is the the black hat now, you know, for some schools because they've won a lot in the last ten years, and uh, LSU's the new blood in terms of winning. Then all of a sudden, you know, people want to come there and, and and take you down. But it's great. It's 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 fun. That's what you want.
0: And they embrace it. Yep. And If you don't embrace it, you get beat. Yep. <laughs> it, it fuels these these ladies. Yeah, they're they, they had they've seen it all now. It it is what it is. All right, so we'll let you run on this one. I, I know you got, you got things to do, and, and we just cannot thank you enough for your time. But you got Vanderbilt coming up next. Um, Vandy's having a nice year, Brad. Yeah. Uh, they're at 17 and three, four and two in the league, uh, half game behind LSU and tied with Ole Miss. And then from there, you got to go to Auburn, who actually beat LSU uh, yep. just a couple of weeks ago over there. Everybody is clearly circling the UConn game uh, coming up on February the 11th. We know Don Staley isn't circling the UConn game. There's a there's a bunch in between now and then. So I wanted to get your thoughts on what what is left between now and then, and how she keeps them focused on the task at hand.
9: Yeah, it's it's cliche, but th- this team usually has embraced the one game at a time thing. Sometimes sometimes they don't even know who they're playing in two weeks. You know, they only know who the next one is, which is a good thing. Um, yeah. You know, and you're right. You know, I think I. For it's unfortunately uh, and unfortunately, it's a short turnaround for the Vanderbilt game. We got home late last night, so probably not going to be much of a practice tonight. You got one day to practice tomorrow, and you got Vanderbilt coming in, probably the, the most improved team in the league. They went from uh, you know, going three and 13 in the league last year, they won uh, uh just 12 games overall. They're 17 and three, they're good. Shea Ralph, you know, has uh, done a great job there in a short short time. There's you know, some folks that think that. If, if and when Gino retires at UConn, she might be the one that goes up there and, and, and fills that spot, and uh, she's built herself a nice team. So I don't think South Carolina, players certainly not coaches, they're not looking ahead to UConn or Tennessee or anything like that because uh, as LSU found out, there are teams in this league that if you don't show up, if you just think you can roll out the ball out there, there are teams that can beat you. You know, An Auburn team that really had no business of being on the same floor with LSU Found a way a couple weeks ago, so yeah, I, I don't think there'll be any overlooking of a, a Vanderbilt team that's proven it's 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 pretty good this year.
0: Gamecocks, as you all probably either know or at least would expect, are widely regarded as a a heavy heavy favorite to be the top overall seed later on in the postseason, but a long way to go uh, to get there. Brad, you do an amazing job. Really appreciate all you do for Gamecock Athletics. Uh, we'd love to have you back as, as as soon as we can get you back because hopefully it'll be another special year for, for Coach Staley and her program.
9: Yeah, I hope so. Thank you guys for having me on. And hopefully uh, – I I've, I've never thought these words would come out of my mouth. Hopefully we're going to Cleveland.
3: <laughs> 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 That's the Final Four is this year. I never, uh, you know, never thought I'd say that, but where, where we're coming to,
9: to Cleveland later. <laughs> we we're talk about that with, with <laughs> Debbie. <to and> Albany
2: <laughs> – and now <laughs> yeah. Port- Portland's not even a good trip anymore, you know, because the, the yeah. city we no, uh, so used to we be, been to
9: Albany, it's nothing special.
2: Albany, <laughs> and then you got to get a clue, man. Who decided this? Man, what a terrible year to nothing
4: What a right. terrible you're setup. you here in Greenville first, Brett.
9: <laughs> I I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm happy we get to go to the, the SEC tournament in Greenville again cuz they they do a great job there. I you know, they I'm do. glad they kind of made that
0: mm-hmm. the uh, one, one of the homes for women's basketball for the SEC tournament. I uh, 100%, 100% agree with that. It it is a perfect town yep. and a perfect building to do that tournament and I a thousand percent agree with, with that well uh now you're home you got Vandy this weekend so at least you get to hang around Columbia for for a few days before hitting the road again thanks for all you do all right, thank you guys appreciate you having me yes sir there you go Mike Morgan's long lost brother uh Brad Muller <laughs> the uh voice of uh, uh Gamecock women's basketball uh, joining us here on Inside the Gamecocks the show all right we got to step aside for a timeout. speaking of projections you'll like this one I'll tell you what it is and what it means. Powered by electric bikes of Charleston inside the Gamecocks. We'll be right back. Gamecock Traditions, South Carolina's elite retailer for anything Gamecock related. The best selection for basketball, baseball, football, tailgating, kids stuff, and everything else. If it's got the Gamecock logo, it's got to be at Gamecock Traditions. Most importantly, they ship it to your doorstep. Order online at GamecockTraditions.com, where there's always a sale. Gamecock Traditions, GamecockTraditions.com, a tradition unlike the others.
8: South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. GA.com. schedule a no hassle free inspection today wind damage hail damage or just wear and tear don't settle for second best let jeremy johnson and elite roofing and restoration take care of it all for you today
0: nana's porch nana's porch.com at nana's porch they cater weddings parties and all kinds of special events their meals are served buffet style in seconds they're encouraged Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. NanasPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Three three six two five nine seven five five zero. 259 7550
1: This break is presented by Billy G's
5: Carolina Barbecue, the state newspaper's 2023 winner for Best Catering, Best Barbecue, and Best Food Truck. Visit Billy G's BillyG'sCarolinaBarbecue.com for all of your catering needs. Ladies and gentlemen,
3: here it is.
0: This is Jacoby Wright from Gamecock Basketball, and you are listening to the show with JB, Bill, and JC. Go Gamecocks! Yeah, it's one thirty-five. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Mike Morgan, Stuart Lake, and Brad Muller have all joined us today. If you're joining us late, you probably want to go back and uh, catch some of that fantastic stuff from all of them. We. Uh, Brad said uh, he hopes they get to Cleveland. That would that would be neat if they can. It would also be neat for the men if they can do what the latest bracketology says. Joe lenardi has got him as a nine seed. It came out today. Of course, got Missouri coming up tomorrow. Might call in that game on the SEC network. But he has him as a nine seed facing off against eighth-seeded Seton Hall. And that would be really neat because that would be in the South Division – of the NCAA tournament this year, which would mean, based on this projection, and it won't hold because it's January the 26th, but who knows? Maybe we'll come back to it, and they'll find their way back in there. They'd be playing their first and second round games if they got to the second round in Charlotte, North Carolina, which would only be an hour from home. And if they got through that, they'd be playing their next two rounds if they got there. In Dallas, which is a direct flight from the state of South Carolina in multiple airports. So that is what will, from here on out, if you're a projections guy or a projections gal, check to see if Carolina projected to play in Charlotte. Uh, that would be really, really good sign, and it certainly would provide an opportunity for a lot of Garnet and Black to make their way up there.
2: I guarantee you there'll be there will be a more Gamecock fans that went to Greenville than to Charlotte. I don't understand <laughs> why because Greenville's thirty minutes further from Columbia, but there are just some people that don't like to cross that
0: border. I have no idea why. Charlotte's packed with people with Carolina fans, though. So. I mean, like,
2: like, no nobody knew this team was going to be good this year. I'm sure if they did, the Gamecocks would have not been outnumbered with that Virginia Tech game four to one.
0: Yeah, that would. Yeah. Blacksburg,
2: Blacksburg is closer to Charlotte than we think. Because you just go straight up 77 to Roanoke and you get there, but man, come on. But uh, I hope so. I hope, I hope that's the closest possible venue they could play. I've been scouting venues because there's about four or five near me that I could drive to first and second round. Indianapolis would yeah. be my favorite one. because it's close, but Omaha is within driving distance. Pittsburgh. Driving dis- distance. Memphis is in driving distance. Uh Charlotte I'd probably just fly in for. But uh yeah. you know, and then if they if they're in the Midwest region and they get to the Sweet Sixteen, Detroit is only a three hour drive from here. Okay. That's a garden Hello? spoiler some garden spots hosted basketball tournaments this year, right? <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah. It's
2: just outstanding cities. My God. Memphis, Detroit, <laughs> Cleveland.
3: Albany,
2: <laughs> I mean, even Omaha is not really. You don't think basketball when you think Omaha.
0: Portland, no, no. Well, there's only one thing I think of when I think of Omaha, uh, which hopefully, yeah. Uh, yeah. hopefully the Cox are going to be in Omaha this year, anyways. That would be uh, that'd be a
2: that's a long, cold drive from from here to Omaha. East to Omaha. I'll you tell you what Seager's the, the springs
0: right now or late winter or winter slash spring sports really could be a special time for, for South Carolina athletics. I mean, you you legitimately, if things keep going well for Carolina's men's basketball team, you could look up within the next couple of weeks at the most. And uh, actually, actually, you could look up on Monday if it works out the way that it should uh, and find – South Carolina men's and women's basketball in the top 25 and find South Carolina baseball and South Carolina softball all in the top 25 Mm -hmm. That damn Ray Tanner. He can't get out of his own way. I tell you what, you just don't know what to do with him. I tell you what the potholes and the, in the, uh, you know, the whole nine yards. What a unbelievable, what a loser that guy is, man. I'll
2: never get that. But, uh, you know, oh, yeah. it's, there's going to be a lot of
4: crow eating once Coach Tanner no, has They will do that, Yeah, well, yeah. You know, true. they just, yeah.
2: they,
0: they don't eat crow. They just get quiet, and then when you lose a game, then they come <laughs> out of the woodworks again and do the same crap <laughs> that they did the time before. Well,
2: you there's know? a lot going on there. It's like, first of all, you have this, this whole complex with, with certain people in the fan base that Someone has to do something great somewhere else before they could do it at South Carolina. Uh, I think that's a, yeah, and
3: yeah. that's probably because of the history
2: because most of the good coaches they've hired have been accomplished it or the, the coaches that have accomplished something have accomplished something somewhere else. I get it. But you know, the college athletics is not linear, you, you know, you, you could you can get good hires from, you know, different spots and you, you look up the road in the football, who was wanting to hire Danny Ford and Dabo Sweeney? Nobody, but Clemson.
3: Yeah,
0: exactly.
2: I mean, you got to have some faith there. Second, uh, I think that whoever, you know, the the must champ hire, obviously people buy into narratives around here. It's crazy because like during the basketball search uh, last year, there were people throwing Tanner under the bus in the national media and stuff and didn't have a clue as far as what was really going on. Um, I thought it was a very organized search because, you know, you take the rumors away, the Sean Miller rumors away, you know, he's at Halls or whatever. I'm not trying to come down on Mike Yuva, I get it. Um, you know, you take that away and what, what happened was, you know, they they probably, they probably Dennis Gates was probably the first choice for the job. He's coming in this weekend with Missouri. Uh, and then it kind of, Bob Ritchie kind of, for lack of a better term, pulled his name out because he thought he should have gotten... He should have been higher on the list. They did interview Sean Miller. They were told to interview Sean Miller.
4: Mm -hmm. And they
2: did. Sean got the uh, Xavier job, obviously. Um, And then it got down to Lamont and B.J. Mackey, and they went with Lamont. I mean, now, I I thought they should have gone the other direction. I'll be honest. I'll I'll own that. Um, And I didn't see anything out of the team last year that made me expect this this year at all. I thought, hey, they'd be, we sat here and said, oh, they'll be better but improved. You know, they won't be last. They won't be last. That was our expectation. Uh, but they could do much more than just not being last. You know, Mark Kingston, I, I don't know. You know, let's see what he does this year. I think he's still got to have a really good year. I think he's set up to have it. Uh, I think that not having a transfer portal early in his tenure hurt him. Um, there were a lot of guys committed early that, that maybe – Coach Holbrook was looking forward to developing, and and then Kingston didn't. You know, you, you, when you're a coach, you go get your guys. Not every the beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Um, you went through the they went through the pandemic. That that's stunk. Um, you know, it, it, maybe it's taking some time. I'm not excusing anybody losing. I'm just saying that a lot of times these these hires everybody's against to begin with. They riot in the streets end up working out and that's not just in south carolina but everywhere uh and then other play other hires you make you you jump up for joy and it's a lock and you're booking tickets to the final four omaha or the national championship game and and they're out and fire fired in three years uh it's it's an inexact science jeremy foley say if i can bat 500 hiring coaches i'm good and he's considered one of the greatest athletic directors ever and I think Ray has a chance to end up batting much higher than that at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the, the uh, judgment on all that is way down the road. Uh, once we see what all these guys and gals end up yeah. doing in their complete yeah, tenure. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. I, I, I was with the Shane Beamer hire, you know, I was like, Oh, oh here's Shane. He's going to do, do a good job, whatever, you know, um, you know, but I thought I thought he ended up emerging sort of as the obvious choice. He had all the support of everybody who's anybody around here. If Lamont Paris ends up turning this thing into Wisconsin South and this program's going to the tournament every other year and competing in the SEC and nobody wants to play him and the CLA becomes this ridiculous place to have to play, you gotta you, you not only have to give Tanner credit for that, some of you will do it begrudgingly. You got to think uh, this guy and Chance Miller both because Chance worked on it too. Man, that was a good, that was a great evaluation, you know. Because look, looking at the record, it was a five year build at Chattanooga. There were not a lot of great years there until the last year. And now he's in year two and he's 16 and three. And mm-hmm. it looks like, looks like a different coach. It looks like, a, I mean, <laughs> it's just like coaching his butt off. I, I think, I think last year maybe. There were some other issues that were with that roster, to where he couldn't coach like he wanted to. He's coaching like he wants to now. Looks very comfortable. Always has been kind of a calm guy, but I mean, I'm just impressed. And a lot of this, the success they've had, guys, is because of coaching. It's because he's coached well. All that discipline, ball sharing—that's coaching.
0: And recruiting as part of coaching as well. And he's recruited good players. Uh, we need to uh, hit our final timeout. Don't go anywhere. We'll tee up uh, for the playoffs and squeeze in some Gamecock football notes and a couple of other little nuggets to pass along as we head into the weekend right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say. And so does the Barn Company where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit TheBarnDominiumCo.com. That's the TheBarnDominiumCo.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock.
7: Owned and operated. Down here in the south. We don't always see eye to eye, while our taste in college football teams or what sauce, of any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie Vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Michael Campbell
0: arrived at South Carolina in 2003 after growing up in Virginia and was dubbed the Winchester rifle by Gamecocks great Tommy Moody in the broadcast booth. He left in 2006 a legend, a career 315 hitter and 20th round draft pick of the San Diego Padres. Campbell was first all-time in games played at bats and triples, second all-time in hits with 299 singles and total bases. Third all-time in doubles, top 10 in runs scored, and RBI, and he hit 31 home runs in his career for the Gamecocks. Now he's passing his knowledge to the next generation through his business, Soup's Swing Shop. If your son or daughter wants to improve their game, Supes Swing Shop offers virtual lessons. Mike will connect with you. Diagnose your swing and create a special game plan to help improve it. Call them at 859-414-8240. Email soupswingshop at gmail.com or find them on social media and on the Chief Sports app. Soup Swing Shop play ball. <laughs> As always, I want to thank all of those who serve in our armed forces and uh, protect the United States. Thank you so, so much for what you do. Thank you to Mike Morgan for joining us, uh, as he always does, twice a week. Thanks to Stuart Lake for sending me the picture of Mike Morgan getting wing sauce on his shirt as they are munching down ah. at these wings. And uh, I forwarded that to Phil. We got it on the air. That's how technology works. So the Golden Tones... And uh, one of the great voices of GameCap Baseball, Stuart Lake, are enjoying while we're working. That's good to see. I wonder if that one was on are Coach we Tanner on as well. I don't know if we're buying this, this or Coach I mean, Tanner is.
4: No, no, no. I mean, not, I'm buying this picture. I think this is a setup. I, I think Mike has asked Stuart a
0: marketing to marketing opportunity for D's
4: on his sleeve. That's right. He int- so, that he do.
0: could he be more
4: relatable. To yeah. This is intentional. Uh, this is not real. Mike did not get this on his sleeve. Coach Lake put it there upon his request.
0: I don't know. I, I see. Look, Mike's <laughs> wearing one of the shirts that I'm wearing. It's one of my fishing hoodies. Well, he didn't have a hood on it, but you know, I, the, you don't want to stain these or not cheap. So I, yeah. I, I think I'm going to give him an accident on that. I'm going to give him an accident.
3: Yeah, maybe so, if he
0: was in man. just like a regular cotton t-shirt Phil, that already had like some stains on it. Maybe he had like a. That's know, true.
4: This right? is that like synthetic stuff. Yeah, that yeah, that, that, that nice. That Seventy-five dollars jerseys weren't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, this um, is more. Worth-
0: about. <laughs> yeah, very well groomed. Hair looks good. You know, I, I, I don't think. It, I don't think Mike would, <laughs> would would mess it up like that. So. Maybe Maybe
2: That's a AI fake, guys. That's a say, uh, yeah, actually, fake Mike. It just seems like, There's no way, fake Mike Morgan on Twitter. That was actually Brad fake Morgan. Mike Morgan on Twitter. <laughs> that? that was Brad Muller's body got doppelganger.
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, was, that was actually, that was actually, I said, uh,
2: Moore. SC Scout guy says on 107.5, they said that we got Lamont essentially because he was what was left and everyone else turned us down. It's not necessarily the case. Um, Sean Miller turned the job down. Uh, Dennis Gates didn't necessarily turn he was never offered the job uh, and just took, simply took Missouri because they were waiting on Carolina and Miller. Uh, I'm not sure that's what the administration athletically wanted to do to begin with was to pursue Sean Miller because I, I didn't think they thought and they think they get him. Uh, I think they wanted Gates. And then after that, by that point Bob Ritchie had pulled out. so he's not turning it down. They didn't really offer anybody like Pat Kelsey. It was a very kind of narrow search, and then it came down to Lamont Paris and B.J. Mackey. So, you know, if you believe how the, the narrative about how the Alabama football search went this year and you believe what they're saying in the media, then Mike Norvell, Steve Sarkeesian, and Dan Lanning all turned it down, and DeBoer was what was left then they are never offered Kiffin. So Kiffin would be the Bob Ritchie in this situation. That's Alabama football. Greg Byrne, who I think many of you that that, that think getting rid of Ray Tanner would solve every problem around here, which is totally incorrect. Um, If Greg Byrne took this job as an AD, you think the Lord Jesus was coming back. And guess what? The same old problems would continue. Because there have been really competent athletic directors here for years.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And guess what? The same old problems happen. Okay. Uh, it is, it's is—it's a myth that changing athletic – you change athletic directors when you don't have things going on, right? Uh, there's a development pro- project about to happen. Uh, or when things are terrible across the board, especially in football. Football's fine. Football had a down year. There's reasons for that. They're recruiting at a high level, they're still going to be fun, right? Baseball's come out of the, the woods. They <laughs> I mean, were supers last year, and they have a really good shot at Omaha this year. And men's basketball is a, ahead of schedule, to so say the least. Women's are winning national women's basketball's national title contender. You know, they mentioned tennis. People bitched about softball year. They made the NCAA tournament last year, took Florida State to the wire. Yeah. I mean, th- so, so, so when you have projects coming up and when things are good, you don't change leadership every time <laughs> because fans want to change the AD every time they lose a game. And, and, I, and I think too, that it hurts Tanner because he was a coach. And so in baseball, every time he lost a game, you blame Gray Tanner. So now that's so not and he's, he's, he's kind of the coach of all coaches. And so he gets the wins and losses day to day, just like a coach, but he's, he's, he has nothing to do with it. So I don't know. I think I think, I think you just got to wait and see how all this plays out. And Ray Tanner's legacy is going, as an AD here is going to be judged, fair or unfair, by how these coaching hires turn out. And, and, I, and I, I know everybody's going to just ignore all the other good he's done. <laughs> so uh, I know that's how you guys are going to judge it, but this whole notion that, you know, There's a post on the board that day. Well, was, was Ray Tanner. Is he still set to retire this? Uh, oh, that's disappointing. Oh, you think Carolina lost two five star recruits and basketball team had gotten beat by 40 and Roman Kimball and Matt Becker and Eli Jones all went in the transfer portal the same day with that reaction. That's ridiculous.
3: Hmm. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, you know, you gotta bad. think the A
4: D is more of a, a, a politician and a and and you know, you're you're like booster wrangler right these days the right? I mean, you know you, yeah. you make posting yeah. hunters yes but it's not the number one thing they do but it, the fans perspective often is myopic yeah
2: yeah pretty, uh, i get it But it's okay it's hey look it's coach. um yeah i don't, don't want to end the week on that because it's been such a positive week so no. carolina shows up tomorrow yeah. plays their game um uh, Like uh, like Pat Bradley said, I listened to the interview with him that you guys did. That Missouri likes to run the tempo and and push the ball, and and you know Carolina, I'm not going to say slow it down, but if the pacing favors Carolina, Carolina defends good tomorrow. They should have a good feeling win and 17 and three going to Knoxville, five and two in the SEC. I'd I'd, I'd much rather than be five and two in the league going up there and playing that bunch than um, four and three worrying about slipping back to 500. Yeah. So that's because um, I, I think you, when you're coming off a win and you're facing a challenge like UT and the way they defend and the way they can shoot at their place, you play much more relaxed and with less pressure than you than you would if you're coming off a surprising loss and feel like you got to get back real quick.
0: They've certainly uh, hit right. their stride the last two games. South Carolina basketball is on a roll, playing as well as anybody in the SEC, and they will uh, tip it off tomorrow at 1. Again, Derek and Casey will have it at 12.30 on the Gamecock Sports Network. And then Mike Morgan and Mark Wise will have it on the SEC Network beginning at 1 o'clock. And um, at the end of the day, if all goes well, like really, really, really well, even though it probably won't all fall into place, Carolina could be at the top of the league standings if they take care of business against the Tigers and sweep Missouri. Uh, in that two-game set that they've got as part of their uh, 18 SEC games this you know, season. Here's what I'm
2: going to do, JB, since, since we have legal gambling up here. I'm going to take $10, okay, and I'm going to parlay all those games. And I bet I'll, I bet the winning on that will be something like 1700 bucks. And if all that happens and Carolina's in first place, I'm giving you half of it, buddy.
0: That sounds good. I appreciate that. I believe. I'll, I'll we'll call, I'll, we'll call it the J. If you give it to me, I'll give it back to uh, Carolina Rise. Nah, the JB Parlay,
2: man. I mean, because that's I like doing stuff like that because that it, it's unlikely that all the you know there's that's a lot of upsets, right? But we've seen mm-hmm. days like that in college basketball before. So
0: good. Happening. I don't know. Uh, quick fix yeah. here: Chiefs Ravens. Phil, uh, Baltimore four point favorites, three o'clock, CBS Sunday afternoon. Who you got?
4: Oh, uh, give me Baltimore, uh, best rush offense in the league, worst rush defense in the league, going at each other. Although, Reed my will going to have
0: something for that team. You got them to win and cover, is what you're saying?
4: Uh, oh, we're doing cover, two, Yeah, four and a half. Yeah, give me, give me the cover. Give me the cover.
0: What about you, JC?
2: Kansas City Swifties will win again mm. and head to Super Bowl, whatever it is. Uh, I'm picking. I'm picking KC. I just think. I don't know. Are the Ravens a better mm. team? Yeah, but I thought Buffalo was a better team too. So,
0: mm, 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 mm. See you in the Super Bowl, Jadeveon, you're headed that way after y'all take down KC this weekend. Also, uh, see you in the Super Bowl. Detroit, go Lions! They cover. They beat those Forty ers and David Kloniger. They beat them. They beat them uh, seventy five to six. It's gonna be the seventy five 75 is to kill 10. you. Dave
2: just got in the car. He's like, "Hold my beer! I'm on my way to Charleston. I gotta go beat up JB." <laughs> I texted him the other day when Carolina was winning in, uh, in Arkansas, the, the Niners were winning. Or we right, we're gonna play later. He's like, "I just told my wife to go get more beer." What a day! <laughs>
0: He's happy. <laughs> Old Dave, um, y'all got y'all got the Niners or the Lions? I'll
2: tell you the Lions.
0: Yeah, uh, lions are gone. Like, oh, yeah, no lions.
2: Oh, and Debo, no lions. Debo, Debo Samuel kind of being questionable
0: too. Yeah, that's that a weapon. Him. Man. You can't, they re- you can't two two replace two yards different. per carry less. Two, yeah. when he's not on the field, when he's not on the field, they average two yards per play less and Could per you, carry. D-
4: Jawan Jennings get blown up in the backfield on a run they normally do with Devo. I was like, Shannon Henry, Jawan Jennings is not Debo Samuel. And see, yeah, I, yeah.
2: I want to see the, the, tailg- the tailgating <laughs> contrast between all these Detroit Lion fans who hadn't won in 50 years, blue-collar Midwestern dudes, Bob Seeger on one side, and then all the Swifties on the other.
0: Yeah.
2: Because it has the Kansas City fans now just show up because Taylor Swift's there. Um, <laughs> I think that's a beautiful contrast for a Super Bowl. I just want something interesting, something an outside. If it were, if I were going, which I'm not, because tickets are six thousand dollars <laughs> each, um, I'd be wanting 49ers with a healthy Debo and, and Ravens because that's Debo Samuel versus Jadavie Clowney, and I'm a Gamecock. But uh, yeah. so I'm just going for the tailgate. Bob Seger versus Taylor Swift, right?
0: Hmm. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Bob Seger wins that one, hands hands down. Thanks to Mike okay. Morgan, Stuart Lake, and uh, Brad Muller. Thanks to all of you, JC and Phil as well. We'll see you at 11 on Monday. Built by the BarndoCo, always live from the Sinorama Studios. And tonight, we're all serving ourselves chicken cock bourbon. Make sure you pull up the Chief Sports app and type in your address in the Chicken Cock Challenge. You can find it in the liquor store near you. See you next week here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show.